I want to thank everybody for the tremendous support you've shown. We're going to take back the Senate, take back the House. We're going to take back the White House. And sooner than you think, it's going to be really something special. But the love and the affection and the respect that you've given all of us, it's really important. The Republican Party is stronger than it's ever been, and it's going to be a lot stronger than it is right now. We're going to turn it around. We're going to turn it around fast. Thank you all very much. That support has been so incredible. Thank you. Good afternoon, America. Welcome to another edition of the Sea Report, coming to you live on this fair Monday, June 7th, 2021. I'm your host, Mr. C, and I hope all of you guys are having a great afternoon out there in the interwebs and across the plains. Now, um, I hope you all are, like I said, having a good week. I had a pretty good week myself, weekend. I do apologize for taking Friday off. I hope you guys don't hold it against me. But here we are back in the saddle, and uh, we're ready to get things going today. We got a pretty good show for you guys today. I wasn't too sure, because, you know, whenever you have a day, especially in the news cycles, whenever you have a day off or so, and then it was to take care of some personal stuff, but uh, whenever you have a day off or so, uh, the news tends to pile up on you. I thought, God, what would I do if I were to take a week off? <laughs> I'd be so behind. And I was like, well, we can't do that now because obviously we're looking at what? Uh, the uh, audit election, election audits over in Arizona quite possibly being done this week. Now, they're reported to be ending possibly on Wednesday. Wednesday. But I mean, at the rate that they're going with as much as they have left, I wouldn't be surprised if they were done by tomorrow. And uh, then, of course, they got to get that election report together. And well, we'll see what happens there. But hey, if you guys were tuned in with us prior to our intro, you saw that great message that came from our president, President Donald Trump. And that was a message that was given uh, just before uh, his event there in North Carolina this past weekend. Uh, now, most of you all, I'm sure, have seen the North Carolina event. Now, I was actually kind of surprised because um, I did not have my eyes too much on headlines and news this past weekend. Uh, we did a show last night. Uh, it's a new show that I'm doing in the evenings called Mr. C in the Dark with a, a nod to Aurelius Locke for giving me that name. Um, but, uh, you know, those were headlines from throughout the week that I had saved on my tabs that just weren't going anywhere. So uh, that's what we were doing last night. So I didn't pay too much attention to the headlines. But um, what I did remember in regards to uh, President Trump giving a speech in North Carolina for the GOP convention over there, well... Uh, that was supposed to be a non-televised and closed-door speech. So when I found out that the entire speech, all one and a half hours of it, uh, was actually broadcasted live, I felt like I had been left uh, left out of, you know, I hadn't been invited to the party, basically. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, guys. Of course not. Uh, he's a very inclusive man. Um, so uh, basically, uh, well, well, you know, we like to archive everything Trump here at the Sea Report if we can. So uh, in case any of you all did not get to see it, or if any of y'all would just like to hang out, uh, we will be doing a watch party tonight 
later on, probably after dinner, um, for the uh, President Trump uh, North Carolina GOP speech that he gave on Saturday, June 5th. So I just want to let you guys have a heads up. If you'd like to come hang out with us here at the Sea Report, uh, whether you're here at the Foxhole app, and I think that's where you should be, or anywhere else I might be connecting on the interwebs right now, well, then you're more than welcome to join us. We'll be chatting, we'll be gabbing in the chat room, um, and, you know, just uh, taking in some of the words. And, you know, uh, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews about it. I've heard a lot of mixed reviews about it, and I'll just keep on saying it, you know, it's that vaccine thing, isn't it, guys? I mean, yes, yes, it's, I mean, is this 5D chess? Is it, you know what, I'm not going to mull over it. I'm going to wait until I have the chance to ask President Trump myself. No, just uh, so keep dropping hints out there, right? Like, uh, I'm just, I'm kind of projecting that into my future. Like, Mr. C and President Trump will have an engagement. No, we'll see what, I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't want to doubt it. I'm going to keep my prayers and my hopes out there. Um, or, you know, whatever. Okay, <laughs> all right, guys. I hope everyone's having a great afternoon. I see that we have some people coming into the chat room. Stacks Double X, how you doing, sir? And also, Nylon Camel, thank you so much for gifting a can right out of the gates. I definitely appreciate your support. Uh, it means a lot, uh, you know, putting all this work together and having that. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, okay, so then also, before we get into uh, today's episode, because I do have some pretty good news. Now, if you couldn't tell by the title, this is pretty big. Uh, the NASS invited the United Nations to observe our elections. Big, 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 big. We'll get to that at the tail end of our report today because we got a lot of Trump news that we got to cover up. Uh, not cover up, but cover over, not cover over. We got to get to it, okay? We got a lot of Trump news we got to get to before we can get into that. But you guys definitely want to stick around for that because it's huge, guys. Like, do you remember how I kept saying we have Secretary of State uh, Benson, we have Secretary of State Raffensperger, we have Secretary of State Schnobs, like all of these secretaries of states. Like, why are they all the ones that seem to be like the crux? Like, you know, they seem to be the pivot point for all of our election and constitutional alignment, right, that happened in 2020. Well, here it is, guys. I got it for you. We have the report ready to go and we'll do it. It's going to be towards the end of our presentation today. So I would recommend you highly, highly, highly stick around so you can get the skinny on that. I got the documents. I got everything that you need to know so you can find out that's the organization because, you know, you know how uh, you know how um, uh, Mike Pompeo had that meeting with the governors where he basically put them all on notice. He's like, you've been taking money from China you're going to pay. There's going to be pain, right? Well, they needed to do one of these things with the secretaries of state uh, because the National Association of the Secretaries of State, they are the ones that allowed these shenanigans to take place. And then they just followed their marching orders throughout uh, the post-election when people are trying to get these audits done. I mean, you guys know the story. It's big. And, me, and to me, it's big. I think it's like, you know, we found one of the, you know, one of the roots that we need to really get out of there. But anyways, before we get into that, uh, I just do, um, I'm trying to learn how to shamelessly plug. So, uh, first of all, I would like to shamelessly plug. Oh, that does no good. Okay, so uh, the website. So, we do have a website for the C Report. I'm going to go ahead and expand this so you guys can see it. You can go bruise, browse, whatever you want. It's the C Report.com. Let me go ahead and also do this over here, too, buddy. Boop. 
Okay, cool. It looks much prettier. All right. And so, uh, yeah, so the seareport.com, uh, it's not too big, too, not too expansive right now. You can just kind of see some of my old reports. We are raising the questions here at the Sea Report. That's what we do. And that's what we're all about. And then, of course, if you have any comments or complaints, you can go ahead and fill out this form. It's very basic, guys. Here's uh, some links now. Okay, guys. Now, according to my resources, these right here are trackers. So, uh, you know, use your own discretion. I don't know how you overcome these, but apparently if you go and you click on Rumble or Twitch or YouTube, I don't think the Foxhole app pretty much, I, I, I don't think that one does, but someone done told me that you get tracked and I had, and the only thing I could figure out were these links, the Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, iTunes. Yeah, it might track you, I guess. I don't know. I'm not tech savvy, but I'm just giving you a word of caution. And then, yeah, so there's that. That is the CReport.com. You can see some old episodes. Uh, I don't have all of them posted here yet, but I do have some bars back. It's February 2nd. So, uh, you know, we've been on the air every day, Monday through Friday, since February 1st. No, this is February 4th. My bad. So, you know, you can see some of my old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> In case you're curious, eventually I will have all of these uploaded to Rumble. Uh, so this way you can see them. And some of them will be like a podcast uh, you know, on Rumble, because I unfortunately don't have video for every episode. Uh, someone out there has video of my episodes, probably for the month of March, but good luck on getting that, right? Anyways, so there's that, in case any of you guys are curious. And then here, uh, this page here is called The American Aggregate. And this is part of the C report. Let me go and expand that real quick. So, you know, guys, how I say I don't break the news here at the C report so much as just analyze the headlines. You know what I mean? I just analyze the news that I read. Well, these are where I get some of my headlines from. The American aggregates, what I call it. It's our home for America first headlines, you know, and it's got some good stuff. It's got like the Gateway Pundit. It's got just the news. It's got Breitbart. It's got the Western Journal. It's got a couple other things that you can go uh, in case you know, I just have them RSS fed here. So this way it's easier for me to like kind of do my research uh, and, and go through headlines. New York Post is on here because they did a really good job uh, covering uh, the Hunter Biden laptop. And then down here is my actual blog. Um, and um, I'm right now I'm uh, backfilling this blog because I had to move them over from another website. So you might notice here it's like dated December 11, 2020. Now, these are articles that I actually wrote. Uh, so here, can President Trump be impeached again? Uh, Twitter and Facebook Senate hearing the coup party pushes lies. Uh, now, I call the Democrat Party, the progressives, all of those bad guys, I call them the coup party because that seems to be all that they were about, you know, during the four years of President Trump's, uh, you know, administration. So uh, they're the coup party. That's what I, that's my nickname for them. Uh, but yeah, so these are just some of the articles I wrote. Now, this one here with Mark Zuckerberg, I actually did not write this one, but there's a website. Uh, I think it's uh, Real Investigations. Um, uh, they allow you to post or share their articles as long as there's attribution to who they are. So that's a really good article. Of course, you guys know on the C report here, we talked all about how the Zuckerbucks funded and helped progressives and Democrats really boost their numbers in the 2020 elections, including other things as well. Um, but that was a really good, uh, kind of like crystallization of all of those points and talking, including talking about the center for tech and civic life. And of course we covered that here at nausea. 
nauseum on the sea report the last couple of weeks so anyways just thought i'd give you guys a little bit of that kind of help support that a little bit it's the sea report Dot com if anyone is interested i don't have a mailing list yet uh you know and they say email lists are good just in case things happen of course if you have a platform like the foxhole.app you don't really have to worry about you know being censored or being banned or taken off the web but uh it always does help but drop me a line there if you'd like to uh, i do check all my emails i've gotten a couple of messages uh from the fam it's always good to have some nice words of encouragement so i thank you all all right enough shameless self-plugging for today ladies and gentlemen i hope everyone is doing wonderful uh let's see a gator man thank you so much um for doing donating 100 gold pills and also just v thank you so much i need to figure out a system for this because like someone's like that's a power move that pin you have uh are you writing something down are you just trying to be powerful i was like well the pin is mightier right uh but no like uh i need to do i need to do a, a better way hey liz garcia how are you there i see you in the chat ma'am and i'll catch up with the chat later no chat recap uh to start out today since we i had a long weekend uh but um we'll just we'll just go as is so let's go ahead straight into our trump statements now okay of course as you all may know the trump news desk is gone but uh i done heard already that uh they are going to be releasing or quite possibly releasing um, the new Trump social media platform uh, on July 4th. So we'll see if that happens. That sounds exciting. You know, so I'm, I'm guessing, like they said, this uh, the from the desk of D Donald Trump, um, you know, the news desk was an auxiliary, auxiliary, I guess it was probably like a beta test, you know, um, and that's what they were doing there. But that's what they say. His new social network will be launching on July 4th. We'll see if that will be right we'll see if that will be all oh, okay so uh, let's see what we got here i already told you all we will be having a watch party for his north carolina's keynote address over there at the gob convention that we had this past saturday so do join us uh in the meantime let's go ahead and get into some of his so i'm behind of course because i wasn't here friday but uh, let's see what we got Okay, first statement from President Trump to cover. Uh, Congresswoman Virginia Fox is an American America first conservative who helped us win the great state of North Carolina in 2016 and 2020. She opposed the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, the impeachment hoax, and we can always count on her to make America first, uh, make America great again. Uh, Congresswoman Fox is pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, supports finishing our almost completed border wall and is a fierce advocate for American workers. I'm a big fan of Virginia Fox and she has my complete and total endorsement for re-election. All right. Uh, so that was coming out, what, just a few days before they did the, uh, did the uh, GOP uh, convention over there in Virginia. So that's exciting. You go, Virginia Fox. You go. Congratulations on getting that endorsement. All right, let's see what else we got here. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, guys, and don't worry, we're not talking Fauci today. We're not talking Fauci, but he is in our statements from the president. Uh, this one says, and let me go ahead and expand that a little bit for you guys so you can better see what I'm reading. All right, it says, After seeing the emails, our country is fortunate I didn't do what Dr. Fauci wanted me to do. For instance, I closed our borders to China very early despite his not wanting them closed. The Democrats and the fake news media even called me a xenophobe. 
In the end, we saw this was a life-saving decision, and likewise with closing our borders to Europe, specifically to certain heavily infected countries. I was later given credit, even by Tony, for... <laughs> Tony for saving hundreds of thousands of lives. Dr. Fauci also didn't put an emphasis on speed of vaccine production because he thought it would take three, four, or maybe even five years to create. I got it done in less than nine months with Operation Warp Speed. In retrospect, the vaccine is saving the world. Then I placed the greatest bet in history. We ordered billions of dollars worth of vaccines before we knew it even worked. Had that not been done, our wonderful vaccines would not have been administered until October of this year. No one would have had the shot that has now saved the world and millions of lives. Much to the consternation of we um, um, <laughs> aware, awake, and not ignorant um, patriots who know the dangers of this vaccine. Um... You know, I just got to say, because as many of the reports that we read, as many of the scientific journals that we see coming out uh, um, and all the scientists who are speaking about the dangers of these um, of these experimental vaccines and gene therapy sessions, you got to know that he knows. So I understand completely and wholeheartedly why people are frustrated with this. I see some of the most diehard patriots, some of the most diehard Trump fans uh, who just do not see eye to eye. And I honestly, guys, I don't either. Um, that's why I say I would ask the man if I were given the chance. Um, but there's got there's got to be something else going on there. There's got to be something else going on there. Maybe maybe once, you know, he he becomes president again. <laughs> Maybe he'll have an anti-vax vax, you know what I mean? That will like kill all the proteins that people are shedding, the spike proteins that are causing a lot of these problems for people. I don't know. We could only speculate on that, guys. I mean, how is this like 10D chess? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I can understand why people are frustrated because, I mean, it's not that we don't believe vaccines work. Of course they work. I didn't have polio. You know, I never got the mumps. But, um, you know... <laughs> Just, you know. <laughs> All right, what we got next? Uh, now, oh, let me go and expand that for you. Now everyone, even the so-called enemy, are beginning to say that President Trump was right about the China virus coming from the Wuhan lab. The correspondence between Dr. Fauci and China speaks too loudly for anyone to ignore. China should pay $10 trillion to America and the world for the death and destruction they have caused. Um, yeah, you know, President Trump, I would probably agree with you on that. Now, $10 trillion is a number I cannot fathom, you know, but I wonder what that would break down to. <laughs> right? Anyways, okay, let's see what we got next. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, this one says, a great honor to be speaking at the North Carolina GOP convention tomorrow night. I understand the place will be packed. All records broken. North Carolina produced a big victory for us without a fraudulent outcome, missing ballots, illegal voting, dead people voting, and all of the other Democrat tricks. Before my election in 2016, everybody said North Carolina was going blue. Now they are saying the great state of North Carolina is surging big for Republicans. Look at the results we have produced. 
Thank you to Michael Watley and the State Party. See you tomorrow night. Oh, that's a nice statement there. That's a very nice statement. Good job, good job, good job. All right, let's see here. I don't have too much to say about that. Uh, other than, like, how did they not do that? Like, how did they not have missing ballots, illegal voting, dead people? Oh, so apparently they had their voter rolls cleaned out. That's for one. Should North Carolina be the model of, like, um, the, the pristine condition a state should be in prior to elections? I don't know. Maybe they should look into that. All right, let's see what this one says here. Uh, great patriots led by State Senator Doug Mastriano, Senator Chris Dush, and State Representative Rob Kaufman went to Maricopa County, Arizona, to learn the best practices for conducting a full forensic audit of the 2020 general election. Now the Pennsylvania Senate needs to act. Senate President Jake Corman needs to fulfill his promise to his constituents to conduct a full forensic audit. Senator Dave Argel, chairman of the state government committee, has to authorize subpoenas if necessary. The people of Pennsylvania and America deserve to know the truth. If the Pennsylvania Senate leadership does not act, there's no way that they will ever get re-elected. Uh-huh. So we'll see. I don't know. I've already heard about uh, some petitions going around in my state, Texas, in regards to uh, auditing the vote. And we did not even have half, if not even a quarter, if not even a, a tenth, a hundredth of the fraud that was going on in these other states. But let's do it. Let's get her done. Because every state in the nation, every state in the nation was touched by fraud, guys. All right, this one was a really short one. It's, it's just a link to an article. In case you missed it, Trump remains the key to Republican election victories. We're not going to read the article by Christian Witten. I think he actually is on the staff of President Trump or was on his staff at some point. Uh, but the article, which I did read, did talk about, you know, him pretty much still being the power player for the GOP, for the Republicans. Uh, and they also went on to list, you know, some of his accomplishments and stuff like that, to which I thought, and I'm sure you guys probably saw this already, uh, but let's go ahead and see it again, because why not, right? Uh, so, I mean, you know, uh, it talked about uh, especially the ones that Trump supported, right, that President Trump supported and that, uh, you know, uh, he gave them their endorsement and then they summarily stabbed him in the back through the heart. And, uh, uh, you know, basically that idea. Right. Uh, so here is uh, Brian Kemp. Uh, at the uh, uh, Georgia GOP convention they were having, getting booed, not off stage, but he was getting booed. Let's let's watch this real quick.
Okay, so yeah, I mean, it, 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 they did not they did not cheer for him until the end uh, when he mentioned something about auditing the vote in Georgia. Uh, but no, they they were just booing him. They were just very much booing him. In fact, they even booed his wife. <laughs> And so that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. No one likes him. They all know he's a backstabber. They all know he's a rhino. Uh, an article said uh, this dude from uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution had wrote, The jeering was so loud it was difficult to make out much of what Kemp said during his remarks, at least from the back of the Jekyll Island Convention Center. What's they doing meeting over there at the Jekyll Island Convention Center? I want to know. I mean... Okay, you guys all know the story of Jekyll Island, right? Tell me if you don't. No, just kidding. Jekyll Island is the place where they created the Federal Reserve Central Bank, which uh, has made debt slaves of all of us Americans and is a privately owned corporation uh, that Trump nationalized, brought it back into under the reins of the Fed, of the Treasury on March 27, 2020. But Jekyll Island is the place. It's the birth of that beast. Uh, so I thought it was kind of interesting that that was taking place there. Um, let me see. Uh, Tombstone had a question. Uh, he asked, where can we get uh, the petition for that audit? Uh, I believe it is auditthevotetexas.com auditthevotetexas.com, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure that's the place. Uh, I'll be signing up there. I just found it this morning, honestly. So I will be, I will be signing up there for sure. Auditthevotetexas.com. And then we can get that going, guys. And guess what? You know that's going to happen if it happens. It's going to happen if it happens. So, yeah, so that was what was going on with Kemp. Now, that's just, that's just a small... I mean, we saw what happened to Cheney. You know, Liz... Liz, chain yourself, Cheney, to, like, these uh, progressive uh, liberal values, right? So we know right away uh, that definitely, and, and the endorsements, they fly off, the, the, you fly off the hook. You are launched if President Trump endorses you. So uh, he definitely is uh, uh, much to the uh, uh, agreement of that article written there, um, is definitely uh, the power player of the GOP. All right, let's see what else we got up here for you guys. I'm going to go ahead and put this nice little picture up. Because I like it. Because I feel like that's pretty accurate. Okay, so a little bit more. And uh, by the means of uh, my by way of Trump news, um, we have a Republican leader summit happening soon uh, that Trump will be attending. Uh, this is going to be a summit that is uh, uh, hosted by the Republican Study Committee. Uh, this was reported from the New York Post. Uh, Chairman Jim Banks and other members of the largest Republican caucus leadership will hold a summit with President 45 Donald J. Trump in New Jersey next week. Oh, this is very soon, guys. This will be next week. Um, and that was confirmed uh, recently. The meeting will come as speculation grows over whether Trump will run again in 2024. Numerous 2024 hopefuls, including former Vice President Mike Pence, pfft, uh, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, met with the group in recent months with several high-profile potential candidates having reached out to speak to the group in coming weeks. Uh, let's see. Uh, in regards to this summit, um, 
pardon me, in regards to this summit, uh, Jim Banks said at Republican Study Committee, uh, we've been very busy as we develop the consensus conservative agenda uh, for the future of the Republican Party. And that agenda is the Trump agenda. Uh, and again, this is going to be on June 10th is what it's looking like. And then he also went on to say, we're looking forward to going up to visit with him to discuss what we've been up to and what we plan to do for the ne the rest of the, his term in the minority. But when we get the majority back, but talk to him about what we, what we hope to accomplish. Uh, now, Trump last month, in case you didn't know, did re relocate his political and fundraising operations from Mar-a-Lago, Florida, up to Bedminster, New Jersey, which is a resort and golf course for the summertime. So apparently in the summer, Trump goes north. Uh, the Republican Study Committee recently unveiled its budget proposal, which looks to balance the federal budget in five years while cutting $14.4 trillion over the course of a decade and lowering taxes by $1.9 trillion with the architects of the plan stating that it would lead to a budget surplus by 2026. So they could pull that off in four years, huh? That's pretty impressive. All right. In other Trump news, Trump will also be speaking in Dallas. Uh, former uh, 45th President Trump is set to speak next month at a conservative political action conference in Dallas, Texas. Part of his plan to attend multiple events this summer and keep his hand in, a conser in conservative politics as he teases a possible 2024 presidential election run. Uh, the theme of the July 9th through the 11th event is America Uncancelled a jab at the left-wing political climate known as cancel culture. Uh, now we had this dude by the name of Matt Schlapp, who is president of the American Conservative Union, uh, say we're honored that he'll join us in Dallas and remind us that freedom means never being silenced. So uh, yes, <coughs> Trump will also be coming to Texas. He'll be up in Dallas June 9th through the 11th. So that's some exciting news, guys. Some very exciting news. Now, before we get underway with the rest of the program and also with uh, more news, uh, we have da, 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 we have a brand spanking new President Trump interview that we're going to share with you guys right now. Uh, this is President Trump appearing with Stuart Varney on the Varney and Company show. So in case you didn't get to see it or you didn't know it happened, well, we got you here covered at the Sea Report. So let's just uh, let's just enjoy this uh, brief interview with President Trump. We'll see you guys on the other side. On the phone, the 45th President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. So, welcome to the program. Good to have you back again, sir. Well, it's good to be back with you, Stuart. It's a great show. Thank you, sir. Now, uh, Vice President Harris in Guatemala. Tomorrow she goes to Mexico. No plans to go to the border. Mr. President, a couple of months ago, I think it was, Jason Miller said you might head to the border yourself. Any plans to go to the border? Well, I've been asked to go by a lot of different people, including Border Patrol. These are great people that work in so hard for our country. And uh, I've been asked to go, so I'm seriously considering it. It could happen relatively soon. Just to support these incredible men and women who have done such a good job and uh, you know they're just left out to dry it's it's disgraceful that nobody's been there from the Why administration in the terms border? of the top well, is, well, is this really terrible 
Why, why do you think the border is now open? They say it's closed, but it's not. It is open. Why do you think they're doing this? So it's totally open. I personally think it's incompetence. I don't think it's to let people in, you know, because so many of the people are, are criminals coming in. Uh, I don't know if you know, but they've opened their prisons. They're sending people in that you don't want in this country. Uh, rapists and, and murderers and drug dealers and there many, many of those people are entering the country. Uh, the, you know, look wisely, they open, they don't, want to, they don't want them in their country, so they open up their prisons. Uh, if you remember with Cuba, you remember what happened there? Well, this is the same thing, but this is on a much bigger scale. And what's happening to our country, they're destroying our country, Stuart. It's very simple. I don't if, actually think, If you think, went though, to the border yourself, they, you, it would shake things up. I mean, it, it would really shake things up if you went to the border. Well, there's a good chance I will, but I actually think it's incompetence. I, I don't think it's anything else. I really don't. They don't need the votes because they cheat at the elections, so they don't really need the votes. You know, everyone says they're doing it because they need the votes. They don't need the votes. They cheat like hell. So uh, I just think it's gross incompetence. Okay. The Commerce Secretary says these hacking attacks on America, the pipeline and the meat supply, these hacking attacks, she says they're here to stay. What should our response be? Should it be a direct attack on the hackers themselves and their state sponsors by our government? You were in the White House for four years. You must know whether or not that kind of attack, counterattack, is possible. Well, this really started in a big fashion recently during the Biden administration because they don't respect our country anymore and they don't respect our president. And and the same thing with, uh, you look at what happened with Israel. We have thousands of rockets and missiles being shot at Israel. That would not have happened if I was president. Uh, that's unbelievable that things like that could happen. And China, lack of respect for our country. You see what happened in Alaska. And you see where that's going. Russia surrounds Ukraine with troops. They never did that when I was president. They wouldn't have done it. So it's uh, a phenomenal, we'll call it the Biden phenomena. The the fact is these hacking attacks are very, very serious and they're getting incredibly, you know, you look at the number of them, nobody's ever seen anything like this. Well, that's here to stay, according to the Commerce Secretary. How do we stop it? I mean, the, the Commerce well, the Secretary says, well, the companies should take action. Well, the way to a much more old-fashioned form of accounting and things, you know. I have a son who's so good with computers. He's a young person and... I mean, he can make these things sing. And when you put everything on the Internet and on all of these machines, you never see a piece of paper. I really think you have to go back to a different form of, of uh, accounting, a different form of, of uh, uh, compiling information, because anybody can break in. I mean, I see young people, they, they can't walk without computers. What they can do with them is incredible. I'm witness to it because... As a young, uh, as a young person, my 15-year-old son is, you know, he's just a genius with this stuff. And and you have, you have people that are going to break into systems. I think you have to go back and you have to be much more reliant. There have to be there has to be much better security. And the kind of information they're getting is mind-boggling. But that but that's that takes an awful lot of time. Do you or do you not favor a direct response to the hackers? I mean, shut them down. Shut their computers down. Could we well, do you that? you have to hit them very Should hard. I that? agree with that. But you also have to get better equipment on our side because 
what you know they're getting paid millions of dollars in order not to do what they're doing millions and millions of dollars they hack they 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 hack somebody out they do whatever it is that they're going to do and they get a five million dollar I don't know how the hell they get paid, by the way, so you're going to have to explain that to me. Well, you have a great business, you're one of the truly best, so I think you should explain <laughs> but, uh, how do they get paid without look, getting but, caught. That's interesting also, Well, they get paid it? through Bitcoin. They, look, yeah, they, they get paid through beauty. Bitcoin, that's which is supposed beauty. to be we should untraceable. Have the the, so the should currency we should be the dollar, and Bitcoin, since yes, I left, should we regulate Bitcoin? Well, the, the, uh, let me just, my opinion is that with the currency of this world should be the dollar and i don't think we should have all of uh, the bitcoins of the world out there i think they should regulate them very very high but the currency should be the dollar and when you have things like that out there Stuart, you know what happens is you really lose something it takes the edge off of the dollar and the importance of the dollar okay what about uh, Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary, and the global corporate minimum tax? Why should we allow foreign governments to dictate the taxation of American companies? Well, we were doing, I, I have a lot of respect for her, by the way, but we were doing uh, things that were incredible. We would never allow that to happen because that's happening to our com companies. Now, we should be taxing our companies, but they shouldn't. Okay. Let me ask you about China. You said recently, just a couple of days ago, that China should be forced to pay $10 trillion in reparations or maybe put 100% tariffs on their products coming to America if it's proven that China was the origin of COVID-19 and it came from the lab. That would be drastic. $10 trillion worth of reparations. That's drastic, Mr. President. You want to go that far? Well, I said that it came from the lab a year ago. I had no doubt. I said it came from the lab a year ago, and the fake news media and the big tech shut me down uh, for uh, saying that. But I say it then, I say it now, and now I turned out to be right. There's no question in my mind that it came from the lab. Just follow the evidence. Follow the bodies. Because you take a look at what was happening and where it was all coming from. This, I, have, I have no doubt whatsoever. Now people are saying I was right, but in the meantime, they lost a lot of time. And they wanted it all shut down. They said it came from places which were absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I would say this, China, that's the greatest attack, whether it's by on purpose or not, it's the single greatest attack on the world, and not just us, on the world in history. And they have to pay. Well, they have to pay. They could not afford to pay what it actually costs, if you want to know the truth. They can't afford to pay the kind of damage that we're talking about. But I suggested $10 trillion, and they can't afford that. But they should pay something, because what they've done is unthinkable. Whether it's by, uh, you know, incompetence, again, incompetence, whether it's the border or not, but incompetence, uh, or whether or not it was uh, planned. And there are those people that feel it was. Uh, I happen to think it was gross incompetence that this happened. But regardless, it was their fault. It came from China. It came from the lab. It's the China virus. And that's the way it is, Stuart, whether, whether we like it or not. And they should pay damages of 
I would say at least $10 trillion. Mr. President, I've got a headline in the Washington Post. It says, Trump allies try to rewrite and restore history of pandemic while trying to villainize Fauci. Are you villainizing Dr. Fauci, Mr. President? No, I always got along with him great, but he was wrong on so many fronts. And there's an example. Uh, you look at his emails, they're really horrible. He was in the pocket, it would seem. He was in the pocket. Now, maybe not, but I, if you look at him, you know, we're all smart people. He was in the pocket of China. The way he pandered to them and the way he dealt with them. And I see, so that's, that's their first salvo on trying to save Fauci. I guess uh, last night, Fauci made a trip with the current first lady. But that's the first salvo in trying to save Fauci. Uh, if people read those so many emails, I mean, it was, I've never seen anything like it. You would almost say he, that's all he could do, because how can you do so many emails? But when people read that, uh, they will agree 100 percent. It was unfortunate. Now, in our case, we had him, but he was there for many, many years. I got along with him, but I would say that if I listened to him, we would have had hundreds of thousands of more people die because he said, keep the borders open to China, keep the borders open to Europe. And I closed them very, very early, and we would have lost hundreds of thousands of people. He also said the vaccines would take too long to produce, and I got them done in nine months, less than nine months. So, you know, I didn't too much listen to Fauci, unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say. Fortunately for our country, I did what my instincts told me to do, based on a lot of information. Well, we've got the vaccine, virtually, well, more than half the population is now fully vaccinated. Do right. you think that employers should require the jab to go back to work or schools and universities require the jab before you go back to campus? Well, I'm a big believer in freedom also. You know, freedom like you can't force people to do certain things. We are in a position, a lot of people that have had covid and, you know, I think you had reported numbers far greater than the actual numbers. Uh, a person that I know just told me his father died. I said, oh, that's too bad. What happened? It was a heart attack. But they put down COVID. I said, what do you mean it was hard? Did he have COVID? No, he didn't have COVID. They put down COVID. So many, so many deaths are reported. This whole thing is whether it was election fraud or other frauds. But, you know, there are many, many more cases than if you take a look. And I'm sure you've heard this. You're a professional, to put it mildly. Uh, but uh, this was just an interesting conversation I had with somebody that I, frankly, that I barely know. And uh, they said it was COVID. But I've heard that many times before, many, many times before. Is it over in America now? As I walk around, I've been to Florida, I've been to New Jersey and New York City, upstate New York. It seems like it's pretty much back to normal, with the exception maybe of California. But the rest of the country, it seems like we're back to back to normal. Does it feel that way to you, sir? Well, if we didn't have the vaccine, you wouldn't be saying that. The vaccine's made a right. tremendous difference. And again, uh, some people feel negatively about taking it. And you have to, you know, you have to stay with their freedoms and they have to stay with their freedoms. But when you add the people that have had it with all of the people that have gotten the shots and we had a great distribution system that the uh, next administration handled, they, they took it. Uh, but the military did an incredible job. Not only did we 
come up with a vaccine. Not only did we buy billions of dollars of it before we even knew for sure it worked, which saved us a year, but we also had a great distribution system. So you're going to be uh, very high, and yeah, you're going to be in a position where if you go down to Florida, I spent a lot of time in Florida. If you go down to Florida, it really is, It's in, they've done a really good job. Ron's done a great job. It really is uh, as though you just don't see it. You don't see it. People are if you, people feel free in Florida. I can tell you that, and they would, feel that way in if, Texas. If, if, if you were to run for the presidency in 2024, would you consider Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, as your running mate? Sure, I would. But you know, there are numerous people that are great. I would certainly consider Ron. I was, I was at the beginning of Ron. I was the first one to endorse him when he came out as a congressman that a lot of people didn't know and. My endorsement helped him tremendously, and I know him very well. He's a great guy. We have other great people. I mean, you look at some of the people that, Republican people that have done a great job with states, and you don't see that with the Democrats. I mean, they kept their states closed and locked down, and the schools are closed. It's just absolutely outrageous how they get away with it. So you are considering running in 2024. How about 2022 for the House or Senate? Has that uh, crossed your mind? At well, all? so many people are saying that I should run in 22. And uh, I think that's highly unlikely. But they, they do say that a lot. You've heard that. I should run in 2022. It's uh, pretty yeah, heard it. yeah. You know, there's a whole theory behind you summoned... that. We won't get into that now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Okay. You summoned uh, a large part of the GOP leadership. You're bringing them to Bedminster later this week. I want to know, are you the leader of the Republican Party right now? And is that what you're going to tell those GOP people when they arrive in Bedminster? I'm the leader well, of the they party. Wanted to Follow come. me they, and my I didn't policies. summon them. That's up to them. They wanted to come. It's a great group. And a great group of uh, people from Congress probably is what you're talking about. But we have... You know, many different groups of uh, political leaders, politicians, uh, Republican and conservative leaders, people that, that uh, you know, are very politically involved, they want to be there. You know, our record on endorsements is 128 and 2 in the last fairly short period. We just won a big one in Texas, one in Louisiana. We, we our record is um, last, uh, by the way, the head of the Republican Party, Last night, yesterday in Georgia, as you saw, was uh, victorious. That was another endorsement, and yep. likewise in North Carolina, we had a great, we had a great day in North Carolina. I'll tell you that that was uh, that was fantastic. It's, so uh, it's, you know, Mr. President, they, it we, seems like you're a little come, reluctant to say straightforward. It, it, you seem a little reluctant. This is not like you. You seem reluctant to say flat out. I'm the leader of the Republican Party. These are my policies. Well, and I don't this like to say a leader going. doesn't say he's a leader. A leader doesn't say I am the I am the leader. You know, the leader leads through example and becomes the leader. So I don't like to say I'm the leader. We have other leaders. We have some really bad ones too, frankly, in the Republican Party. Some terrible ones, and they shouldn't be there. They've caused us two seats in Georgia. They've caused us a lot of problems. But we have some very good people. And some good people are coming to see me. And if they're not good, I won't endorse people. And if I don't endorse them, they're not going to win for the most part. You see that you've seen that. But we have a stellar record when I endorse uh, people win, whether it's primaries or general elections. And it's an honor. And I, um, you know, it's uh, if you look at the polls, I guess I'm the leader. 
because I've never had polls like this. I mean, the polls are higher than ever before. Mr. President, Senator Manchin says he will not end the filibuster. That seems like a victory for the Republicans because it's going to make it very difficult for the Democrats to push through a far left agenda, certainly through the Senate. Do you read it that way? Well, it's a very important thing. He's doing the right thing, and it's a very important thing. Otherwise, you're going to be packing the court. You're going to be doing all sorts of very, very bad things that were unthinkable and were never even brought up during the election. Nobody brought this stuff up. Bernie Sanders can't believe it. This is so radical liberal, radical left. Bernie Sanders can't believe it. This is far more than he ever, ever even talked about. He, they cannot... The most progressive, they use the term progressive, but the most radical left people cannot believe what's happening. Censorship. Facebook has banned you for two years. Twitter has banned you forever. How do you get the word out? Do you have a plan? Well, I, I have been getting it out. I do uh, news releases or press releases, and I've been, I think I've been getting it out very well, but... They are really, these are bad people. These are dangerous people. Uh, they are, uh, it's got to be stopped because it, our country is in danger. You know, Zuckerberg would come to the White House to have dinner with me. Couldn't have been nicer. Uh, sir, you're number one. Congratulations. You're number one on Facebook. All of this crap. He'd bring his wife. Uh, it's uh, amazing, actually, when you think about it. But no, they have to be stopped, and they will be stopped. Eventually, they're going to be stopped. Why do you think they're doing this? There, there is, I mean, a whole because group of people who just Because my voice is very strong, which is very powerful. I got 75 million votes, which is more than any sitting president ever got. I won the election, but they cheated. And by the way, Facebook and Zuckerberg with a $500 million worth of phony lockboxes that he put on some of them had 96% Biden votes in them, 96%. They were like just dumping ballots. It was a phony deal. And uh, let's see how that all turns out. But there's a lot of litigation coming. And what they did is a disgrace. And I think, you know, they allowed dictators to say death to America. That's okay. Death to Israel. That's okay. But with me, they take me off because they are radical left crazy people. And they're destroying our country. And they don't want to hear a sane voice. That's why they, and it's a voice that has, and, and you know, I was one of the top by far on Twitter and top on, and, and Zuckerberg said top on Facebook. And, you know, and Instagram too, when you add it all up, it's, it's hundreds, it's like, uh, I don't know, I had, I think close to 200 million people, they say, and they take that off. They're a disgrace to our country. They don't have free speech. We don't have free speech anymore. And who are they to tell us what ideology we should be talking about? What politics what we should be do talking about? about? They're a what, disgrace what do to our country. You've got, the, you've got two monopoly platforms, basically, Twitter and Facebook, who won't have you on that platform. What can you do about that? Well, we'll see. It's, uh, we're working on things right now. I think I'm getting word out, but it, it certainly can't be the same yet. But they are a disgrace to our country, and I think the people of this country are very, very angry. You know, we have people that are very angry, very, very angry, as you know, very well. And we'll see what happens. But they are a disgrace 
to our country. And there's going to be a lot of litigation very soon. You'll see that. And we'll see how it all comes out. And it's going to be very big litigation. How about the state of the economy? Do you think it would improve if we ended these $300 a week unemployment pay? Well, nobody wants to go back to work, so that's a problem. But nobody wants to go back to work. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. But the economy, you've got inflation that's going to be rampant. And we've seen inflation before. You have. I remember you a long time ago when the world was cratering and Jimmy Carter and all of this stuff. The things that were happening were not not even believable, where interest rates were going up to 22%. Prime rate was over 20%. It's it's what's going on now is exactly the same, but it's worse. It's much worse. What they're doing now guarantees, and you already have massive inflation. Look at food prices. Look at gasoline. We had energy independence, and now that's gone, Stuart. It's gone. We had think of it. Your we were energy independent. When I left, uh, gasoline was a dollar eighty-seven. Now it's you know going to be double that. It's going to be triple and quadruple that. But food prices, everything is going lumber for a house is up at a level that it's never been. So it costs much more for a house. If, if you're right, inflation, if you're right. If, massive inflation, if, and it's going to be very If you bad. get massive inflation, Mr. President, you get a crashing economy and a crashing stock market. Is that your prediction? Well, I don't want to make predictions. You know what? Because I, don't, I, I just think it's not good if I do, but I, I am very concerned about what's going on. I'm very concerned about some of these bills. And if you remember, I wanted to spend a lot of money on infrastructure, but it was on infrastructure to rebuild our roads and bridges and tunnels, not to do things like they're doing, handing money away and giving it away to foreign countries and, and all of the things. I'm very proud we got rid of some of these endless wars. You know, we haven't had a soldier killed in Afghanistan in over a year. People can't even believe it. Uh, and we we started that train rolling. It was just it was just about com completed. And frankly, I'm very happy that they're going to continue. We've been there 21 years, 21 years, and it's enough. So they're coming home, and they're coming home from Iraq, and they're coming home. They're already back from Syria. Uh, we've done a hell of a job, and we've rebuilt the military. Can I just go back to one thing you said a couple of minutes ago? You say people don't want to come back to work. You think that, that the pandemic and the lockdown, did it change the workforce forever? Expound on that a little bit. How did it change it? Well, it might have for at least not forever, I guess. But people's attitude on work seems to be different beyond the money that's an incentive that they not go to work. But people, I don't know. It, it's... You know exactly the purpose of your question is interesting because did it change their psychology on working is yeah. really sort of, yeah. I think, what you're asking, not just the money yes. incentive because eventually that wears out. What I am surprised is that employees, you would think they'd be more loyal to their employer. So when the employer calls and he wants them back, you'd think they'd go because this is just temporary, this money. But uh, there is a different feeling out there in my opinion, and I think probably in your opinion. So it may have changed the level and degree of people wanting to work. It may have changed it, Stuart. There's no question about it, because you see such a difference. So, maybe. Yeah. Okay, um, the bell, the opening bell for Wall Street is about to ring. 
I'll ask you one last question. You don't like Bitcoin? You wouldn't invest in Bitcoin? Do you invest in the stock market at this moment? So not at this moment. I think it's high. Uh, so I have not invested in the stock market at this moment. I have in the past, but I have not at this moment. I think it's high. Okay. Uh, Bitcoin, I, I just seems like a scam. Uh, I was surprised. You know, with us, it was at 6000 and uh, much lower. Uh, I don't like it because it's another currency competing against the dollar. Essentially, it's a currency competing against the dollar. I want the dollar to be the currency of the world. That's what I've always said. Mr. President, thank you very much for being on the program this morning. Great to hear from you Thank again, you, Stuart. And I hope you'll thank come you back very soon. Much. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. So there we go. That was a nice brief. Yeah, less than 30 minutes is, I consider, a brief interview with President Trump. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Pretty informative. We had some pretty good chat going on in the uh, yes, just, just the um, baby Bush has gonna has talked about throwing his hat into the ring for uh, running for governor for the state of Texas. Aside from Matthew McConaughey, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Um, I, I, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting conversation, I think, um, I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about uh, the state of, you know, Governor Abbott. Um, I voted for him uh, whenever he came into office and uh, re-election, all that stuff. Um, you know, I'm, and I really, I don't know what, uh, what the fuss is over him. I know he pooped all over Gab and a lot of people took that personally. And I know that there is a, um, a ranch here of uh, several acres, a uh, Morningstar ranch, where the Chinese own that property. I don't know what, well, I don't know what's going on behind that. It's Morningstar Ranch. Um, fitting name, right, for Lucifer Morningstar? That's what I think anyways. But uh, other than that, I'm not too much sure on some of the other politics that play into Abbott that some people don't like. Um, but he, uh, Governor Abbott and Governor Ron DeSantis, are the two all-stars of the governorhood, uh, governorships, I think, in the United States of America. Uh, both of those governors, and Abbott led first when it came to making sure that we weren't being censored in Texas by big media. Um, he also uh, led the charge with the border um, emergency crisis. He's also sued, along with uh, um, A.G. Ken Paxton here, uh, the Biden administration at least seven times. Um, and he's fought for uh, Texans to be free. He was the first one to end the mandates when it came to COVID. Um, so uh, to me, Governor Abbott has done a pretty good job. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, I'd say if you're not from Texas, um, you might want to worry about your own governor. But that's with heart, guys. That's with heart, because I don't take these things personally. It's just politics, you know what I mean? Uh, but um, but definitely he's, I mean, definitely Ron DeSantis has definitely taken the lead when it comes to the most badass governor in the United States of America. But uh, yeah, I mean, if there's any other points that I should be aware of, because I honestly haven't looked too much into Abbott, um, but other than his gab thing where he just ticked off a lot of people because they love gab and, uh, you know, this whole China owning property in Texas, somehow I feel like that might be beyond him, but I don't know. That doesn't mean he's not looking into it. Uh, I 
I don't know. I couldn't know to say. But, you know, I'm always of the opinion that, you know, if you can show me the receipts or, you know, give me something that I need to see that will help me learn and grow, I can most definitely change my mind. I don't consider that a flip-flop. I consider that growth. You know what I mean? And then, because that's what it takes. Good information helps us make better decisions. Uh, and that's why, uh, you know, I appreciate when I get feedback like that from the audience, because at least that way I can learn and then I can look into it and then I can, you know, help uh, spread that better information. So I say it's a win-win in either way uh, when we're talking about issues like that. Now, in an attempt to make my audio better on my podcast, because the audio is coming out pretty bad from what I understand. Uh, was it uh, Michael Hill said something about stereo? <laughs> well, uh, Tombstone had said it was pretty bad from the start. Um, so I adjusted some things. So hopefully it's not so garbled. Uh, but now. OK. All right. So, yeah. Uh, so you can check it out at uh, anchor.fm slash the report. Oh, whoops. And then, you know, if if I have, a, you know, if, if ever I'm not on the air and I, I do a live show, I mean, if I do a show, it'll always be on the podcast. But you can check that out for sure there. All right, guys, let's go ahead and move forward. Now we're done with because Trump leads at the sea report. Now we're done with President Trump for the afternoon. Now we're done with him. Who dat? All right, guys, everyone knows this story already. This is old news, but we hadn't gotten to cover it here at the Sea Report. So just a quick rundown. Of course, uh, Senor Mike Lindell has uh, proffered a lawsuit against Dominion and uh, Smartomatic. Um, let's see what it had to report on that. Uh, the latest filing from Lindell, which, like the first, seeks a trial by jury. Trial by jury! Um, lists Dominion, Smartmatic, and related corporations as defendants in a bid to stop them from weaponizing the litigation process to silence political dissent and suppress evidence showing voting machines were manipulated uh, to affect outcomes in the November 2020 general election. Uh, Mr. Lindell claims that he is entitled to recover his actual and special damages from Dominion and Smartmatic for their collective role in their conspiracy and enterprise to harm him. Damages which presently, uh, presently are estimated at $2 billion and higher. Uh, the list of alleged <clears throat> offenses includes Dominion abusing the legal process given their suit against him, defamation, violating the Racketeer Influence and Corruption Organization Act. That's RICO, right guys? RICO, Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organization. Uh, violations of the Support and Advocacy Clause. Uh, deprivation of civil rights under the under the guise of state law and civil conspiracy. Similarly, it accused Smartmatic of violating the Racketeer Influence and Corruption Act. Uh, Rico, <laughs> sorry, I just got to dance. Um, violations of the support and advocacy cause of USC 1985-3 and civil conspiracy. Lindell will prove that the Dominion defendants acting in concert and as a part of an unlawful enterprise alongside the Smartmatic defendants have weaponized the court system and, a lit and the litigation process in an attempt to silence Lindell's and others' political speech about election fraud and the role of electronic voting machines in it, the lawsuit states. In the specific context of political speech about something as vital to a Republican form of government as election integrity, no litigant should be permitted to use the courts and the litigation process as a support bludgeoned to suppress 
and the Stifle Descent. Both Dominion and Spartmatic companies that manufacture, distribute, and maintain voting hardware and software have long denied their machines were tampered with in any way or that the results of the election have been compromised. And they would. They would say that, right? Uh, okay, so yeah, we're obviously not going to go through this, but I just wanted you guys to see the body of the text. Uh, it's an 82-page lawsuit Plaintiff Mike J. Lindell versus U.S. Dominion Incorporated, Dominion Voting Systems Incorporated, etc., etc., etc. There's an overview. There's 12 different exhibits that show. Look at who's that? Camel Toe Harris. Uh huh. Uh, there's 12 different exhibits showing their guilt, or at least his proof of guilt. You know that the uh, hammer is going to be coming down pretty hard um, whenever it comes to this type of thing because uh, we saw the evidence we've seen the movies documentaries we saw the hearings we've heard the people we've we've heard the affidavits all that good stuff so um, this is everything that he's putting in the body but then this one goes forward not just call on uh, call on them uh, as as having actual had fraud in their system, but also um, that they weaponized the legal system in order to persecute him. So that's that's good. You know, I hope that this moves forward. I hope it doesn't get bottlenecked too much. And I hope that he wins. So that this way, there will actually be a better precedence for that when it comes to litigation and lawfare, because lawfare is a pretty new term, you know, like it's relatively new. I mean, probably what within the last five years or so, five to 10 years, uh, that that term has really uh, been used and created because uh, no one ever thought about lawfare before because really only people who have a lot of money, corporations and stuff can engage in lawfare. And that's just uh, to stricken their opponents who can't afford uh, to file lawsuits or to move forward with litigation. So anyways, that's just a real quick, uh, real quick quip on what's going on with Mr. Lindell uh, and his lawsuit. We'll see how that goes. We'll follow that story along. Now let's talk about some more litigation. Judicial Watch here. Um, they have successfully uh, um, had a judge declare that they will be able to move forward with a lawsuit in the state of Illinois. Now, Judicial Watch, they do excellent work. They're definitely an organization to watch when it comes to holding our government and government entities accountable for their actions and their decisions. Uh, so um, I, I admire the work that they do. Now, the case that's going on here in Illinois is a case that's very similar to uh, cases they've held before. Now, this is in regards to voter rolls. Now, I'm sure we're all aware that the voter rolls in states, if they're dirty, can lead to a lot of shenanigans. Uh, if you don't clean out your voter rolls and you have dead voters on there, you have voters who've moved out uh, and stuff like that, then that is definitely uh, a means that entities like the Democrat Party has done in the past, uh, especially particularly up till probably about, you know, well, we've had some primaries coming up recently, but no, there's still plenty of states out there that have dirty voter rolls, you know, and they need to make sure they clean them out. Uh, now, Judicial Watch has litigated or has sued uh, on behalf of, um, I think it was like California was one of them, Kentucky was one of them. There's like three or four states that they've uh, successfully um, uh, sued and had uh, forced them into cleaning out their voter rolls. So now they're doing that in the state of Illinois, of course, in the proper 
fashion, as improper as it is, uh, the people in Illinois, the uh, the legislators there, the the um, well, I guess specifically, uh, we're looking at the. Um, uh, the voting, uh, the the uh, voting uh, committee there in um, Illinois, uh, they just you know they don't seem to want to comply. Uh, they want to just do whatever they want to do, of course, uh, and they don't want to help in any way when it comes to this idea. Um, the article here from Judicial Watch says a federal court ruled that the lawsuit can proceed. So basically he had to sue them to uh, make them uh, proceed in uh, giving out this information and actually moving forward with it. Uh, now it says um, they filed a lawsuit on behalf of the Illinois Conservative Union and three of its officers by the names of Carol Davis, Janet Shaw and Loretta Savi after Illinois state officials refused to allow them to obtain a copy of the state's voter registration database, uh, despite their lawful request for it under federal law. So uh, here's a copy of the lawsuit right here. Again, let's take a look at that real quick. And I will expand you. Okay. So uh, there you go. There you have your uh, plaintiffs, your defendant. Now here it says opinion and order. Plaintiffs, Illinois Conservative Union, Incorporated Carol J. Davis, Janet L. Shaw, and Loretta J. Savi requested that the Illinois State Board of Elections produce electronic voter registration data for Illinois pursuant to Section 8 of the National Voter Registration Act of 1993. When the board refused to produce the list in electronic format and restricted viewing to a computer terminal at the board's office, plaintiffs filed this lawsuit against defendant the, uh, the state of Illinois, the board, and Bernadette Matthews in her official capacity as the board's acting executive director. Plaintiffs allege that, that defendant's refusal to provide them with the requested information violates Section 8 of the NBRA and the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. So this is this is just some of the ways that they do their, their bottlenecking, the way that they make things harder for me. You got to wonder why, right? Like if it is their right, our right to access these as a public information, why would they make it so hard? Would you want to know what they told them? They told they told uh, they told these uh, these individuals from the uh, conservative union of Illinois. They told them that if they wanted to see the voter data registration registration data, they had to view it at the database one record at a time. Uh, they could only see it on a single computer screen. It had to be during normal business hours, and it had to be at the State Board of Elections office in Springfield, Illinois, which just so happens to be 200 miles away from where these uh, plaintiffs lived. And, and that's not to mention that there are over 8 million voter registrations in the state of Illinois. And they could only get it one at a time. And with all of that, uh, all of those rules, uh, in order to just slow them down, like, why would... It just makes no sense. You go and, you know, I mean, that just goes to show uh, how corrupt these individuals are and how blessed we are that we get to see and call out these people and that we're blessed that there are people who are doing something about it, uh, people who are taking the initiative and then people who will back them up like Judicial Watch. And then, you know, we get to learn about it and we get to know the game plan and we get to see it. And now we can call it out and we can make sure it does not happen again 
or in other places. At least that's my take on it. Um, the article says United States District Court Judge Sarah L. Ellis ruled that plaintiffs have plausibly alleged that Illinois law conflicts with and frustrates the NVRA's pr purpose of providing voter information to the public to help ensure the accuracy and currency of voter registration rolls. She also allowed a claim to proceed under the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment on the ground that political committees in Illinois can access copies of the voter registration database while ordinary citizens cannot. The claims will proceed against Illinois Chief State Elections Official Bernadette Matthews, the Acting Executive Director of the Illinois State Board of Elections. So two things really coming into focus here, guys, when it comes to uh, the entities that are allowing so much corruption to happen in our states at the state level, when it comes to election fraud and stuff like that, it is the secretaries of state and it is the heads of the board of elections in the states, as we will see towards the end of this report when we talk about that. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, go ahead and get into some of this audit the vote stuff. All right, audit the vote. Now, we're not going to get into too many specific details. Of course, there's not a whole... I mean, there's stuff going on. Don't get me wrong. There's always something going on if you look hard enough. Uh, but let's start with Michigan Secretary of State. Okay. Ugh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there she is. That's the woman herself, Jocelyn Benson. I told you guys, when it comes to the bad guys, I don't find flattering pictures from them. I'm always blessed to find one that does not make them look... <laughs> <laughs> that does not make them look so, uh, you know, remarkably uh, palatable to the eyes. Okay, so, okay, let me go ahead and shrink her there for you. <laughs> All right, so in regards to, okay, we've talked about Secretary of State Benson from Michigan before. You know, this is wretched Gretchen Whitmer's, uh, you know, um, uh, butt buddy over there. And uh, what was it with Whitmer when it came down to the stuff that she was going to be litigated against for her violations of leaving the state and for flying an unchartered plane. Well, she didn't fly it, but having it flown. They were going to hand this case over to Benson. Like, clearly this woman is corrupt. Um, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit. We talked about, we've, we've, uh, kind of done this story here before, but it's back in the news, uh, where this Jocelyn Benson person, the secretary of state, uh, she was telling the clerks in the municipalities that they should not hand over their voting machines, that no one has the right to ask them that basically. Uh, this uh, article from the Epoch Times said the office of the Michigan Secretary of State told two county clerks that they don't legally have to provide access to voting equipment uh, maintained by their office if ordered to do so by the county boards. That's this, this is what this woman says. Uh, she says, the board has no authority to require you or any municipal clerk to provide external access to voting equipment maintained by your offices, and neither you nor municipal clerks in the Sheboygan County should provide this access. Uh, so here's one of the letters that she had. Pull, uh, we pull it up for you guys. Uh, she's talking to Clerk Brewster. Um, and I feel like we've read this here before at the C report, but we'll just go through it again real quick. Not too long. Uh, it says uh, you are receiving. Let me go and expand that. It says you are receiving. <clears throat> 
This letter because the Bureau of Elections has been informed that the Sheboygan County Board of Commissioners may attempt to allow an unqualified third party to gain access to voting equipment in the Sheboygan County, purportedly to conduct a forensic audit. The board has no authority to require you or any municipal clerk to provide external access to voting equipment maintained by your offices, and neither you nor municipal clerks in Sheboygan County should provide this access. The Michigan Election Law and Trust clerks with choosing and maintaining their voting systems and does not provide any authority for county commissions to take control of this equipment. MCL 168.37a states that a county clerk in consultation with each city and township clerk in the county will determine which electronic voting systems will be used in the county. Custody, programming, and review and testing of election equipment is entrusted to qualify election officials, not county commissions. Uh, and see here, uh, it goes on to talk about um, uh, the forensic... Oh, uh, yeah. Interest in granting access to unqualified third parties to conduct a forensic audit may stem from misplaced reliance on ongoing misinformation, which has been repeatedly, comprehensively, and definitively debunked. Regarding both Dominion voting systems and the error that occurred in the initial report, unofficial, uh, un the initial unreported unofficial results in Antrim County. As you know, the Bureau of Elections, in cooperation with Antrim County Clerk and a number of local election clerks, conducted a public hand count on every paper ballot cast for president in Antrim County, which confirmed that ba ballot tabulators counted ballots accurately. Okay, so we stopped there. Because this is already riddled with lies. It's riddled with lies. Like, the only reason why they were even able to question, uh, nay, to take to, to court, this was when we had the Antrim County audit thing going on, and they, they had um, um, attorney Matthew DiPerno over there, constitutional lawyer. Uh, they, were, they were presenting all of the receipts. Lies. This woman is a liar, liar, liar. And like, uh, uh, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a shame. Like they should retain a letter like this, right? So they can use it, uh, against her whenever they take her to court for, cause it's going to come out guys. We now know that it was the national association of secretaries of state. That is one of the poisonous roots. It's one of the heads that has allowed this election fraud to come in. And we'll talk about that again. It's coming up. We're going to, we're going to get, we're going to get that to that in a minute, but I just wanted to get through this information first. So the secretaries of state, they're the ones who are poisoned, right? They're the poison in the well. They're the ones who are doing this, right? Okay. And she's outright lying to her own county clerks declaring information that's false to be true in the true proper liberal progressive democrat way right that's what they do and and they just they just lie upon lie upon lie i mean look at this woman does she look like an innocent woman <laughs> i don't think she does but anyway look at her just look at her okay <laughs> just look at her this is jocelyn benson of michigan okay i feel bad for the state of michigan we're constantly reaching out michigan we're praying for you 
Detroit Rock City, man. Like, you guys need some help up there, okay? <laughs> like, you got some pretty corrupt people. So if you're in Michigan, you better not be talking smack about Governor Abbott because your governor is, like, at the bottom of the totem pole. You know what I mean? Okay, so, all right. So let's go ahead and finish out what this article was saying. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That That's that face. She looks like, I don't know, she looks like she's about to spit venom out of her mouth or something like that. So, okay, so it says here, commissioners can seek such records through a Freedom of Information Act request, which is what Lori Bourbonnet, director of the Election Administration Division at the Bureau, said. Again, because they're trying to deny it. Now, here's another thing that they're saying. They're saying that you cannot allow, and, and I know we covered this when we were talking about Antrim County, but it came up again in the headlines, so here we are again. Uh, it, it They said that if they're an unaccredited auditor, they cannot give them their, uh, their machines, their software to audit forensically. Again, this is exactly the same thing that we saw happening in Arizona at Mar Maricopa County. This is exactly the same game plan ammunition that they are trying to say that, you know, an outfit like Cyber Ninjas cannot do the auditing. And then there's no telling. They'll probably spin it the same way as Secretary of State Katie Schnobbs over there in Arizona said, oh, well, now the software from Dominion and the, the machines, they're, they're, they're no longer good because, you know, uh, they, they were touched. They were touched by an unaccredited uh, election audit group. So, so uh, we can't even trust the results of what they find, which is just, it's a total wash of hands, a total whitewash, no racism intended. Um, and so it's just, it's its the same crap that they're pulling in Arizona. They're trying to do it here. Uh, they've been after Cyber Ninjas since, because Cyber Ninjas was starting out in Michigan when they were doing that Antrim County thing. And then they got into, you know, they got into Arizona. So they, they have been going after Cyber Ninjas. They know the score they know who they are and they don't want them in the picture at all so like i said same crap uh, article goes on state law indicates that county boards lease buy or otherwise acquire electronic voting systems including machines that means the boards can order an audit beth bridgman leader of a group called the sheboygan freedom fighters <laughs> that's the sheboygan uh, which is advocating for an audit um our county paid for those machines on behalf of the people our commissioners did and those machines are our physical property and i say heck yes uh miss lady of sheboygan freedom fighters heck yes it is y'all's stuff it is y'all's property you the taxpayers paid for it you have every right to do any kind of audit you want on that is what i think the funding for the audit if it were ordered would come from money donated to bailey's legal case from fundraising she said it could be conducted by Cyber Ninjas, the firm running the audit in Maricopa County. So, guys, you got to remember, like, they were going after Maricopa County because where's the funding coming from? It's coming from all of this black money, no racism intended, that is uh, from people that we, we don't even know who it is. Like, they were making a big deal about the funding. Where are they getting the money? And then they're like, oh, you can't take private donations for something that's supposed to be a state-led audit. Like, it has to come from the state. Oh, but we can't do that because the state can't pay. It's not fair to the taxpayers. We already did two sham audits and wasted thousands of dollars on that so no you don't get your turn well yeah that's that's to the hypocrisy of these people because again 
they can go ahead and take all of their NGO funding and all of their private money funding and all of their funding from corporations all day and night long. But when Americans with a patriotic heart and mind try and get a job done, they flip the script and they let their hypocrisy show. I'm sorry, guys, your hypocrisy is showing. And okay, guys, so here's what I'm thinking. If they can move forward with this and they can get cyber ninjas to do it, uh, you know, this woman of the Sheboygan Freedom Fighters, what's her name again? Uh, Bailey's, Bailey's, Mrs. Bailey's, Beth, uh, they won't even have to pay. Or is this William Bailey? William Bailey. Sorry, William Bailey. He's not of the Sheboygan Freedom Fighters, but William Bailey is the one, Bill Bailey, he is the one that got the ball rolling with Matthew DiPerno over in Antrim County. He has a legal defense fund, but guess what, Mr. Bailey, if uh, you guys are able to move forward with that appeal on the uh, case that the judge threw out uh, because he couldn't he couldn't find a way to, you know, uh, what was it to to give him restitution or to relieve him. Right. What a what a what a cop out. Right. Um, I know you will get your funding from one, the America Project. Okay, guys, don't forget about the America Project. The America Project, they're the ones who are funding the Maricopa County uh, audit right now. And uh, we all know who's behind that. If you don't know who's behind that, raise your hand. <laughs> Just kidding, folks. Uh, we've talked about the America Project in several episodes. So uh, I would say that is a project to support. It is a nonprofit, not for profit organization that is run by America First people. And they have funded it. They have funded it. And they will probably fund Michigan as well if they can get in there, if they can get past these legal battles. And all it takes is the people fighting hard enough. Do they have a lot of fluoride in the water up in Michigan? Because I feel like everyone up there is pretty docile. But anyways, okay, so let's go ahead and move on to, not that I would know, obviously. <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to an uh, update on the Arizona audit. In good fashion, we're going to have, um, we're going to have Dr. Kelly Ward go ahead and give us that audit update because she does it a lot better than I ever could. So let's go ahead and hear what she has to say. Arizona, it's time for the daily update from the Republican Party of Arizona. I am your chairwoman, Dr. Kelly Ward. For several weeks, we've all been waiting for an outcome or, or a result from America's audit. And we've also seen firsthand how Democrats and their ultra left-wing partners were using the audit, which I remind you is 100% supported by the Arizona courts. And the Democrats have been using it to further their own political agenda. Although Democrats like to pretend otherwise, their opposition to America's audit has nothing to do with and has never been about the security of the ballots. They don't care about what company the Arizona Senate has contracted with to do the audit, and they really don't care about the results, since their game plan all along has been to undermine, undermine, undermine undermine whatever the final outcome is, no matter what. So what exactly, beyond stopping the audit, are they up to? It's actually pretty simple. It is about raising hundreds of millions of dollars from their corporate titans and big tech cronies, as well as the dark money they're so fond of. It is about perpetuating their propaganda their lies through their control of the mainstream fake news, fake media. And ultimately, it is all about power. 
That's because if you have a lust for power and you seek one party tyrannical control of the government, if you're intent upon changing America radically and completely transforming it, and if you want to destroy our constitutional rights and our individual liberties, along with everything America stands for, raw, unfiltered power is the key. That's why it is not much of a surprise that Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, a social worker in the mold of Barack Obama and a political leftist hack who herself won by the narrowest of margins under questionable circumstances in 2018, announced yesterday that yes, she will run for Arizona governor in 2022. She hasn't been shy about her intentions and she hasn't been shy about using her current official office and using taxpayer dollars to do everything she can to undermine the audit to advance her political career, to gain political power. In fact, she's made her office again with taxpayer monies into Command Central for Democrats. That's right, under the guise of fighting the audit and pretending to care about election integrity, she's been promoting her political ambitions on a national stage raising money from Democrat PACs and strategizing with partisan Democrat organizations and organizers who hate America. Don't believe it? Take a quick look at her campaign video using news segments about all those death threats she claims she's received since the November election and since the audit began. (sighs) Her entire campaign message is a phony attempt to cast herself as a crusader for election integrity and also an anti-audit zealot. Unfortunately, you can't be both. And social worker Hobbs is neither. She is neither. That's what we are up against. Thank you for listening. I will see you at our next update. And remember, you can contribute to the Republican Party of Arizona and keep our efforts to get this audit done on track. So donate today at the link below. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay. So that's great, guys. I love Dr. Kelly Ward. She's so awesome. Um, So get this, guys. If you want to defund the police... Don't dial 911 and the cops will show up. Dial 311 and Katie Schnobs will come and help you out. I promise you. (laughs) Social worker template, Barack Obama. That's some great stuff. She's a great woman there, Miss Dr. Kelly Ward. Okay, and see, that's what I'm saying. Um, We actually actually watched Secretary of State. We should call them, like, I don't know, Snakes of State or Secretary of Snakes, like these SOSs, because guys, we're going to get to it. I promise it's coming. These are the ones that invited the United Nations to come and observe our elections so they could overthrow our country. Okay, so it's it's the Secretary of States. Like, it is the Secretary of States, the Secretary of Snakes. Like, it's them. But um, on uh, episode one of Mr. C in the Dark, we actually watched Katie Schnob's election campaign commercial, and we were just kind of laughing laughing at her and making fun of her and stuff like that. It was fun. Uh, but anyways, okay. So yeah, so there you go. That's an, uh, an update from Dr. Kelly Ward. Now by, by way of what is actually happening on the ground there in Arizona, because we're like literally days away, like we're days away from this audit being complete 
and then they just have to do the report. Hopefully they've been writing this report or, you know, they've already got an outline for it. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they, they already know. <coughs> they, they've done all of the technical aspects of the report. They've done all of the physical forensics aspect of the report, except for the ballot counting and running all the ballots through the forensics of it, right? So I'm pretty sure maybe all the other side reports are done. At least that's what I would hope. And then all I have to do is just put the final numbers on what they found in the ballots at the end. And then they can like, like turn it around in a week or so, like get that, that report done and out there. Right. And I'm so curious to know, are they going to have a press conference? Like, how are they going to handle the delivery of this report? Like, how are they going to tell the American people what they found? Like, I'm excited. Like whatever time of night or day this happens, we got to go live when it happens and we can watch it together, guys. Like I'm super excited. Um, so uh, as far as the actual audit updates go, uh, again, we had um, a Senator Wendy Rogers, I believe, um, a retired U, uh, U.S. Air Force. Uh, she had said um, that uh, they basically went from um, 17... 17 and uh, paper inspection tables to 32. So just for inspecting paper, they went from 17 to 32. Uh, and then when it came to uh, the tables for counting, they went from 20 tables to 44 tables. And then whatever aggregation tables are, whatever that function is, they went from four of those to 12 of those. And then that's not to mention that they had added a third shift from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m., hundreds of volunteers and you know when was it on thursday uh we had reported here from sos ken bennett that they still had like um what was it like maybe 40 pallets or so left well guys they only have seven pallets left to go seven pallets and they're done seven pallets and that was as of saturday night as of Saturday night, they had seven pallets left. Uh, they were knocking through pallets like crazy wildfire, guys. Like, you know, you don't want to set the world on fire? Well, they're about to uh, because we're going to see the end of this result. Uh, I think I think it's going to be this week. I think they're going to wrap this week. I think th I heard sun I heard Wednesday, but I think it could be as soon as tomorrow, honestly. But we'll see. Who knows? Maybe some of them will get sick, these volunteers, and they won't be able to to come in and do their duty. Uh, but we also have to thank these uh, brave Arizonans for going in there and doing that, you know, uh, because they put a lot on they put a lot on the line by doing that because they like you all saw how they were targeted by the, the lamestream media, the fake news media. You all saw they were trying to get doxxed and we don't even know. Uh, like, I mean, Antifa never attacked. Apparently, although I had heard that there were protests, but I could not find anything about that. Uh, someone told me that an abuelita was chasing Antifa around with a chancla because they're like, no, you no, vamos, vamos. Like, <laughs> So I don't know. I looked for the video. Trust me. I was digging for it. I would love to see that. But unfortunately, I couldn't find it. So, okay. We haven't done this. So we're going to do this real quick because we haven't done this in like a good three weeks where we look at the Arizona audit so we can see what's going on. Don't forget it's at azaudit.org. This is where we get to be peeping toms and look at what's going on there. <laughs> So do you guys remember when we first started looking at these, like there was like barely any tables. Look at that. Look at this. Let's go ahead and expand this one real quick. Yeah. So this is a live view of inside the Arizona audit. Fun stuff. Wouldn't you say? 
Very fun stuff. Okay, look at all these. Look at this. And so this is the standard now. This is the standard. Air, uh, Pennsylvania, they're going to do it. I, you know they're going to do it. Pennsylvania is going to do the same thing. Look at these little pink Lazy Susans. <laughs> I like that, that term, Lazy Susan. That's a fun term. Look at, watch them turn. Uh, okay, so anyways, yeah. And then here's, I guess, look at all these pallets, like all these boxes. I wonder where the last remaining seven are. Are they these over here? And these are the completed ones, maybe? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like, oh, look at who's it. What are they doing? Who's this? You see this person right here? Okay, so if they're in orange, they're members of the press. So the orange suit are press members. So that means they're observing. If you see a pink shirt, that is one of Katie Schnobbs' crew. And we're going to talk about them in a little bit. Because they are involved in this. And they are involved with the uh, Secretaries of State and the United Nations. That's coming up, guys. But uh, so there you go. Plenty of people doing their job, doing work. I mean, this is a highly organized operation. Uh, so that's pretty cool. What are you doing? I see you. Okay. Anyways. All right. Let me, get, <laughs> let me go and get this off the screen, guys. Yeah. Oh, we're not going to be able to spy on them anymore. What are they doing? Let's go. Let's see what they're doing. You don't have a mask, sir. Where's your mask? <laughs> Good for him. He's got some, he's got some cojones. Okay. What's this? Who's that? What kind of jeans is he wearing? No, just kidding. Okay. Let me stop being silly. Okay, guys. All right. What's next? What's next? Oh, do you guys know who this jabroni is? This jabroni is Sheriff Penzoni the jabroni. You guys remember who he is, right? Okay. It's pronounced Penzone. Okay. But this guy is also from Arizona. He's the, he's the guy who received $2 million from George Soros to knock Sheriff Joe Arpaio out of his seventh term as sheriff term, right? Uh, as sheriff over in Arizona, probably one of the most constitutional sheriffs this side of the Mason-Dixon line, right? And, uh, okay, so Sheriff, uh, Sheriff, I call him Penzoni the Jabroni because he looks like a Jabroni, right? Okay, well, Penzoni the Jabroni, um, as you may know, he decided to get, he decided to step into the unconstitutional and highly partisan arena of declaring that the audits must stop. And then he went on to lie, saying that uh, you can't touch the routers because all of my personal information is tied into those routers. And um, the sheriff's department runs the same routers that they use during elections. All of that crap, right? All of those BS lies. Sheriff Penzoni, the jabroni. Okay, so uh, the reason why he's on the screen right now and you're looking at his ugly mug is because, um, well, you know, again, this goes back to how, uh, for some reason, Democrats, liberals, and progressives... They have the ability to bottleneck legislation, litigation, and jurisprudence as much as they want. They can ignore subpoenas. They can ignore court orders. And they don't seem to get in trouble, right? And that's what they've done in Maricopa County. Don't get me wrong. They, they will not turn over the routers. They will not give them the passwords. None of that stuff, right? Um, and so, but they don't get in trouble for it. Well, in an unrelated case, but I think it's worth mentioning on this report, right? Just because I wanted to say Penzoni the jabroni. Really, that's why. He is finally going to be held accountable for something else that he's been doing. So it says, in a different case, 
Sheriff Penzoni the Jabroni is likely facing contempt charges for committing similar inactions. Because for some reason, this guy just does not seem to act on what he's told to do. I guess he thinks, well, I'm the sheriff. I'm the highest law on the land. I can do whatever I want. No, Sheriff Penzoni the Jabroni, you can't. A federal judge signaled on Thursday that he will find Sheriff Paul Benzoni the Jabroni in contempt for taking too long to investigate charges of misconduct among officers. So we're talking about, you know, uh, a police corruption and stuff. It's probably because of people like Pe uh, Sheriff Penzoni the Jabroni that they let these people get away with it instead of holding them accountable so that this way the good cops continue to do the good work that they do, right? And giving all of the officers a bad name because leadership is not taking care of business when they need to. Um, the statement said, in a pointed rebuke after the United States Department of Justice asked United States District Judge G. Murray Snow in March to order a contempt hearing, Snow said, Penzoni the Jambroni's department is clearly out of compliance with his 2016 court order to overhaul the investigation process. Even if I believe everything in the brief is true, which I don't, I would still find the sheriff in contempt, Snow told the attorneys early in the hearing, referring to Penzoni the Jabroni's response to the Justice Department's request for an order to show cause. The Justice Department and sheriff's lawyers should focus on negotiating remedies, not the moot merits of a potential contempt case, said Snow. So, ha! That's what you get, Sheriff Pinzoni the Jabroni. And uh, we'll leave that there. Where are we going next, guys? We're going... Ah, oh, this guy. This guy. Ah, oh, okay. So, <laughs> if you're from Georgia... Uh, was it just V? Didn't you say you're from Georgia? <laughs> if you're from Georgia, uh, then you know this man's face all too well. And hopefully he's not a nightmare uh, in your sleep. Uh, but this would be uh, a state... Uh, Secretary of State, here we go again. What's the main theme here? The Secretary of Snakes. They are the main one. They are the ones. They are the ones. They are the tools of these globalists, the United Nations, etc. And we'll, we'll discuss that in just a minute. So, all right. We already had Benson on the screen. We already talked about, uh, we already talked about, uh, a schnobs, right? Uh, we got it. We always got to make fun of schnobs and her Sonic the Hedgehog lesbian hair, right? Now we're going to talk about Raffensperger. I'm sure you guys know what happened to this man, if you want to call him that, right? <laughs> but yes, we have to share it here at the Sea Report because the GOP of Georgia has approved a resolution to censor the Secretary of Snakes, Brad Raffensperger, uh, the Epoch Times reported the Georgia Republican Party approved on June 5th a resolution censoring Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Uh, during a convention, the Georgia GOP approved a resolution that states Raffensperger, a Republican, failed to perform his duties in accordance with the laws of the Constitution of the state of Georgia. All right, and let's pull that up here for you guys. All right, here it is, guys. Here's that censure. Let's take a gander. And it says... <clears throat> Whereas Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger failed to perform his duties in accordance with the laws and constitution of the state of Georgia and Republican Party values, including but not limited to entering into the compromise settlement agreement and release, which changed Georgia's absentee voting procedures outside the constitutionally prescribed format set forth in Georgia law 
and undermining the security of our elections by allowing mass mailings of absentee applications by his office and third parties, which created opportunities for fraud and overwhelmed election offices, rendering accurate signature matching nearly impossible. Oh, what do they mean? Like throwing out all of the envelopes? Probably. Um, and allowing ballot drop boxes without proper chain of custody because they're still missing thousands of links of chain custody and ignoring sworn affidavits and disregarding evidence of voter fraud. And whereas the fecklessness and failures of Sec Secretary of State Raffensperger were enabled by the actions and inactions by others such as Lieutenant Governor Duncan, who denied that there was election fraud and punishment, Georgia Republican state senators who asked for election audits, Attorney General Carr, who allowed his office to file an abacus brief opposing the lawsuit asking for inspection of the Fulton County absentee ballots, and legislative leaders who failed to fully address known election issues prior to the runoff, all have either by their direct action or inaction significantly eroded confidence in our state's election system. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Georgia Republican Party Convention censures Secretary of Snakes Brad Raffensperger for dereliction of his constitutional duty and calls on Governor Kemp, Governor Kemp, and all elected officials to repair the damage that has been done and commit themselves to securing Georgia's elections. Well, we'll see if brother, a brother, if a governor Brian Camp will uh, will do anything about that. Because I mean, that guy, I don't know. I mean, talk about governors. I feel pretty bad for the state of Georgia. So yeah, they're calling him out because he he got into this agreement with the Democrats. Go figure, right? Like, uh, I guess he's a he's a Democrat in uh, you know Republicans' clothing, right? That's probably what he is. Democrat in Republicans' clothing. He's a D I R C, a dirk. <laughs> Brad Raffenberger is a real dirk. He's a Democrat in Republican clothing. That's what he is. Uh, so the Georgia Republicans accused Raffensperger, of course, of undermining the security of their elections. Now Raffensperger said there's no evidence of widespread fraud occurring in the 2020 election. The state election board, which he chairs, has sent dozens of election fraud cases to prosecutors in the wake of the election, including allegations that voters fail to register and vote or register to vote while living outside the state. I heard about that from people who live in Georgia firsthand. They're like, yeah, people were here for like two weeks and they are claiming that they were living, they were residents and all that jazz. Um, Ravensburger office told uh, WSB TV, the secretary of state's office, county election directors, and the tens of thousands of poll workers across the state worked to ensure that democracy was upheld. It is the job of the counties to run elections and the secretary of state's office job to report those election results. It is the job of political parties to deliver the wins for their candidates. Let's not confuse the two. So there he is. I'm a victim. I'm washing my hands. It wasn't me. It was a one-armed man kind of thing. Like, don't blame me. I just, he's like saying I'm the messenger. But yet he had nothing to do with half of anything that happened. He didn't enter into this, this uh, agreement with the Democrat parties to allow all those shenanigans to happen. Nope, that wasn't him. It was the one-armed Raffensperger. It wasn't him. So I don't know. I mean, the receipts are there, sir. I don't know what you're talking about by washing your hands. But I guess it's good for the sound clip, right? The sound bite. That's what it's there for. That's what it's there for, guys. That's what it's there for. Anyways, I don't know. I feel bad for Georgia.
All right, guys, do you remember who this Bigfoot is? <laughs> We're finally here, guys. We're finally here. We're finally going to talk about how the National Association of the Secretary of Snakes sold out America's election front because this is this is it this is one of the big ones this is a huge story in my opinion because we're looking for the root causes how did this happen what's going on why was it allowed you know and what the heck was the united nations doing in the united states of america observing our elections like really guys okay now if you've been hanging out with me here at the sea report then you very well know who this hairy bigfoot man is <laughs> well <clears throat> This is none other than Harry Hursty. Does that ring a bell, America? Harry Hursty is one of the three auditors that the Township of Wyndham selected to perform their audit. Okay? All right, that's one. Now, what did we learn about Harry Hursty on one of the most recent episodes of the Sea Report? We learned that this man in 2005 proved to America and the world that the Diebold election machines, voting machines, can in fact be hacked. And he did it on live TV where people were recording and we saw a bunch of New Hampshireans, uh, what do they call them, New Hampshireites, New Hampshireans? We saw a bunch of them getting emotional on TV because it was proven beyond a shadow of a doubt in front of them on national TV. Remember there was that lady, she's all, she, this one lady, she had, her she had her own camcorder, not even digital, you know, the tape kind. And she was all, this is me now filling out my ballot. <laughs> she was recording herself she's like doing her own documentary i think she's the one who was crying later on but like um and and then they found out that this man this man was able to hack the memory cards so he's like and he even said yeah it doesn't matter I, i'm not concerned about the ballots that go into the machines because i've already hacked the machines so i already know what the outcome's going to be regardless of what ballots go into this machine right and then the township of Wyndham picks this man to do the audit. And, oh, and then let's not forget during the New Hampshire audit that the memory card um, uh, seals, they were like, you know, kind of uh, warbled and messed up. Uh, there was an hour, an hour and a half where the compute, the live feed went off. Right. OK. All of these shenanigans, nothing, nothing that seems straightforward to the point and good. Right. OK. And Harry Hursty, this man was the one performing that audit, okay? I mean, along with Mark Lindman and Phil Stark, etc. But this guy's the guy here. He's the guy because they, oh God, they were relying on him. And this is why the people of New Hampshire, I know they're going to do it. I know New Hampshire knows what's going on. They, they smell what this man was cooking. They know the fix is in, right? Because they also found out that Phil Stark and Mark Lindman have close ties to Nancy Pelosi and to Chuck Schumer, you know, and the uh, crying Chuck Schumer. And that, you know, they were even, um, they were even put on the board of the um, elections, the EAC, uh, the Associate Election Commission. Um, uh, they were assigned by, by crying Chuck Schumer and Hoods Pelosi. So like the three of them compromised, compromised. Now, Let's talk about how Harry Hursty is tied into this uh, NASS, that's the National Association of Secretary of Snakes and the United Nations, okay? Okay, so here we go, guys. Now, this came to us from the Gateway Pundit, and I gotta say, guys, like, th that, that journal has done such good and comprehensive work. 
I will be baffled if they don't get a Pulitzer or something. Like, they need some kind of award because they have been at the front pulling in all, I mean, well, you know, like, they also have root articles, you know, like, there's 100% fed up, there's, you know, the, the Granite Grok, you know, there's all of these other smaller journals that are pu putting these stories out, but the analysis that the Gateway Pundit has done, as well as the way that they've aggregated all of this news, so it's all there for you, for, you know, so I can come and read some of it and report it to you guys, has been spot on. There's not been any other, not even the Epoch Times or just the news. And, and Bannon is just getting on this case too. Like, it took Bannon a minute to finally start talking about, I mean, he was talking about him like, oh, you know, maybe like a one or two minute segment, I would imagine. But like, now he's like, oh yeah, the audit train is here. Let's jump on it. You know, but what I'm trying to say is I'm giving props to the Gateway Pundit and the Hoff brothers because they've really stepped up this narrative into the public eye and into, you know, what we can see. So I'm just, I just got to give credit where credit is due guys, because, you know, I do a lot of, uh, digging into root articles and into, you know, lawsuits and litigation to share it with you all, to bring the sauce, to bring the juice, to show the receipts. But, you know, if it weren't for publications like them, I would not be able to do that. Okay. So let me go ahead and get into this real quick. Okay, guys, let's go ahead and talk about, uh, the National Association of Secretary of States uh, or Snakes and Harry Hursty. So what was found out was that this man, Harry Hursty, one of the very auditors of New Hampshire, along with this woman by the name of Elizabeth Howard, were sent to the United Nations to do uh, a powwow, to do a brief, a meeting with a group of people who would come into the United States and observe and collect data on the United States elections, the midterm elections in 2018. So that's what they did, right? Now, um, so Harry Hursty, I already gave you the spiel on this guy. We know what kind of, uh, we know what kind of a, uh, I don't know, a, a smelly Bigfoot he is, right? Okay, so this is the other person. Elizabeth Howard is her name. Uh, we've not shown her snake face here at the Sea Report until now, but we have actually talked about Elizabeth Howard in some reports from probably like, you know, weeks back. Now, where this woman comes up is she is part of uh, the Brennan Center for Justice. Now, the Brennan Center for Justice, it's another not-for-profit group of lawyers and litigious people that ascend and attack whenever their Democrat and progressive bosses tell you. So they're much like Perkins Coy. Now, you guys remember who Perkins Coy is, right? Now, that's the law firm that worked for Hillary Clinton. Now, these people, they actually were in Arizona also. Elizabeth Howard and her, uh, and, and along with the Brennan Center for Justice, were in Arizona as well as part of that 103 uh, uh, organized lawyers, you know, just throwing lawsuits out left and right to try and slow down the process of the audit in Arizona. Now, Elizabeth Howard, um, it says, um, she also works with the Cybersecurity and Elections Council. So she has a part to play here. Um, she actually, her name can be found on some of the letters that were sent to threaten and intimidate uh, Senate President uh, Karen Fan over in Arizona. So you guys have seen this here on the C-Report before, but I'm just going to show it to you again. Uh, let's go ahead and expand that real quick. 
Okay, so here you go. There's your Brennan Center for Justice dated April 13th to Karen Fan. Here's verified voting. Do you guys remember verified voting? Verified voting is the group out of New Hampshire whom Mark Lindman, another one of the auditors, was part of. Okay, so he served on the board. Okay, so all of these people, they're all tied in. They're all part of the same fix, right? Okay, so uh, here's, I'm not going to read this letter to you, uh, but this is one of them saying basically cease and desist. Don't, don't do it. We can't have an audit there in Arizona. Signed, Elizabeth Howard. Here's her name right here. And then here's Mark Lindman right here. Oh, wait. And Ryan Macias. Isn't that that guy that snuck into the Arizona audits and they found out that he was not part of, like, any type of journal or press group? I think that's that guy. Wow. These people travel in packs. Man, busted wide open. Busted wide open. Okay, so there you go. Here's one of the auditors over at New Hampshire. The fix is in. Here's Elizabeth Howard, the woman that we're talking about right now. Here's another letter, just so you can see. She she did, she signed her name on three or four of these cease and desist letters to Karen Fan over in Arizona. So uh, this one, again, that's... Uh, oh, she was also instrumental in getting the DOJ involved. Remember when the DOJ sent over a letter basically saying that, uh, you know, you're violating uh, American rights and voting rights and crap like that? Anyways, here's Elizabeth Howard again. Here's Mark Lindman again. Here's Ryan Macias again. Okay, God, these people, like, they are just unrelenting. And But you know what? Let them. They signed their name. They signed their, you know, they signed their, their warrant, essentially, their... I would say death certificate, but I, we're not going to go that dark here just yet. Okay, <laughs> so anyways, let's put her face back on the screen. Let's so you can recognize who this snake is if you ever see her on the streets. Okay, all right, so she and uh, that, uh, that Bigfoot guy, Hursty, yeah, she and he, Hursty and her, yeah, those two, <laughs> they, uh, they both went over to United Nations. Now, uh, let's see, um... They were, uh, they were, they were, they were, they were over at the United Nations. Okay. And so they were basically, uh, uh, doing a debrief or, uh, for a meeting of these individuals that would come into the United States. Now, uh, let me see here. Those are just some more notes on that now. Okay. So now you're probably wondering who is the organization or the group that Hursty and that Howard were talking to. And who sent them, basically? Okay, so here's the name of the group. It's the OSCEPA, otherwise known as Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, Parliamentary Assembly. Okay, so the UN committee in question is the OSCEPA slash the ODIHR. Um, and these groups are chaired by a woman of the name of Isabel Santos. I do not have her name, uh, but but I do recall seeing her name coming up whenever they were talking about Harry Hursty hacking into those uh, name cards because uh, to those memory cards for the Diebold voting machines, because then uh, New Hampshire went and ordered the exact same ones that he hacked into. Go figure. Right. So it says um, it says that. Uh, OK, yeah, we know what it stands for, etc. Let me get a graphic of the ODO. So here's the OSCPA, CEPA. They're at the United Nations. Look, look at them, United Nations. They stand united. Yeah, the beast of revelation. Okay, and then here is the uh, ODHR. That is the Office for Democratic Institutions and Human Rights. Right? Look at all these little seeing eyes. Right? That's kind of what I think about them. Okay, so uh, that's that group. Now, um, a report from the OSCE. PA and the ODIHR stated that it was invited in to United States of America by the government of the United States of America 
specifically the United States Department of State out of respect for its relevant international obligations and OSCE commitments. Um, it stated in commitment to assisting this committee during an April 12, 2018 address to the UN Permanent Council in Vienna. Okay, guys, so if you were watching the C-Report, y'all might not have seen this episode. I might have to do a replay of it or something. Okay, it's the episode where we talk about the Truman National Security Project. The Truman National Security Project. Can't stress that enough. Now, that organization is the organization that is making America woke. They're, that is a progressive think tank. It is a prog- and they're not just a think tank. Like, they pride themselves on this. They say, we're not just a think tank. We're a do tank. So they don't just come up with the ideas. They have, play- they have things and play- people in action in order to get them moving, to get their feet on the ground, to get the ball rolling. Like, they think and they do this Truman National Security Project. Now, they're all progressives. They run the State Department right now. Like, uh, we did a report on the C-Report. I think it was March 27th, somewhere around there, where we, we just, we went into all of it. We had their manuals. We had video. We are, we are showing you all the rogue generals, all of the senators, all of the congressmen, all of the litigators, all of the, the lawyers that are involved with the Truman National Security Project. If you like to dig... There you go. Okay. So anyways, um, uh, that's why the State Department has these people in there because the State Department is so woke. Like, you know, we talk about the military. No one ever talked about the State Department going woke. The C report talked about it. You know, there was maybe one other. um, uh, I'd have to I'd have to credit someone else for that because that's where I got my stuff from. But go back to March 27th if you want to find out who it is. That name's kind of an ethanol right now. But anyways, okay. so. Um, it's, it's your fault. Okay. So like, um, when it comes to that, uh, we, we talked about that. So the state department totally woke. They had their, they had their, they had their brochures on, uh, how to be inclusive and, and how racism is, is, uh, you know, is inherent in America and all of this stuff. That's what they are teaching people at the state department. I mean, it's basically a bunch of AOCs. Okay. Like it's pretty bad. So the Truman national security project, not council, if you if you if you duck duck go Truman National Security Council, you're gonna get a whole bunch of stuff about President Truman, and we're not talking about him. Although they do um, they do uh, what do you call it? They do credit their name to him uh, for reasons being you know like he had a lot of stuff to do with like you know um, organizations and 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 uh, doing certain things that were kind of behind the scenes and stuff like that. Not always. Uh, toward the better betterment of America and stuff like that. But anyways, okay, let me get off that soapbox. Uh, just so you guys know, the State Department had them invited in, um, and then we have the NASS getting involved in it. Okay, so uh, let me get back to this point of thought. Um, okay, so it says here in this article, again, this was from the Gateway Pundit, that um, the United States' own U.S. mission to the OSCE, so I guess one of our own you know, uh, uh, delegations towards this organization at the United Nations. Um, even they state on their, and their website, the United States strongly supports the work of the OSCE and views it as the paramount instrument for building a region of stable, open societies in which every country lives at peace with its neighbors. So they always have this, you know, uh, like nice, 
friendly, you know, um, I'm your friend, I'm not going to hurt you, um, here, come have some candy type of thing. Uh, the ODIHR describes itself as the OSCE's principal institution to assist participating states to ensure full respect for human rights and fundamental freedoms to abide by the rule of law, to promote principles of democracy and to build, strengthen and protect democratic institutions, as well as promote tolerance throughout society. Um, this is referred to as the OSCE human dimension. The ODIHR, which conducts these election observation missions, assesses compliance of the election process with the OSCE commitments and other international obligations and standards for Democrat, uh, democratic elections and observes elections, reviews legislation, and advises governments on how to develop and sustain democratic institutions. So we have a an organization out of the United Nations, you know, which I wouldn't trust further than I could throw my mama and I would never throw my mama. So I would never trust this organization, right? Um, going in and telling countries how to run their elections. Uh, so that's very troubling indeed, <clears throat> because they are setting their own standard for democratic elections Never mind that America has its own constitution, has its own legislation towards that, and they have a problem with it. These people over there at the ODHIR, they have a problem with the way that America runs their elections. How do we know this? Let me show you. All right, let's take a look at this real quick. This is, uh, this is their booklet right here. All right, this is the report that they did. Okay. Now, here's the report. Uh, we won't read all of it because it's 42 pages, obviously. <laughs> but look, <coughs> here's where they're talking about. Um, here's where they're talking about basically the way we run our elections. We'll just read some of these notes. It says here, the election of the president and vice president is indirect, conducted through an electoral college that allows for a candidate to be elected without winning the popular vote nationwide. Both before and after the elections, several interlocutors expressed concern with this system. Concerning direct elections of the senators and representatives, a number of interlocutors stated that the drawing of electoral district boundaries was largely driven by partisan interests. Almost all OSCEODAIHREOM interlocutors agreed that these elections took place in an increasingly polarized environment with partisan animosity deepening and against the backdrop of backdrop of gridlock in Congress. Basically these guys, especially, I mean, it's in line with what they're trying to do with the Truman national security project. They want to get rid of the electoral college. That is a problem. They want the popular vote because you know, they're letting all of these legal people in to be a brand new voting block why not make sure that they get the election via a popular vote? No electoral college, no represent representation for flyover country, only representation for New York and California. Right. Okay. Here it goes on. Some 4 million residents of the United States overseas territories and 600,000 residents of the District of Columbia do not have voting representation in Congress. In addition, residents uh, of U.S. overseas territories do not 
not have the right to vote in presidential elections. More than 6 million convicts, including those who serve their sentences, as well as many facing trial, are disenfranchised, disproportionately impacting African Americans. These restrictions contravene the principle of universal and equal suffrage as provided in OSCE commitments. So here you go. They're telling us that they have a problem with, um, you know, people in the District of Columbia. Remember, whatever happened to Washington, D.C. becoming the 51st state? These people are actively seeking to make D.C. a state. And all of our all of our uh, outlying territories, they want them to all have the representation. They want convicts to have the uh, ab- uh, or felons to have the ability to vote. And we've seen this where we've seen this playing out in the Democrat liberal progressive um, rallies. Uh, I mean, like physical rallies, but I mean, like, you know, in their institutions, that's what they want. Again, this is all going back to the Truman National Security Project. And, you know, I'm surprised right here. It says U.S. citizens 18 years of age and older are eligible to vote. I'm surprised it didn't say that they you should be able to vote if you're five years old like really like these people okay let's read just a little bit more and then we'll, we'll close it up there it says individual states are responsible for administering elections with duties often delegated to some 10,500 jurisdictions across the country the elections were administered by competent and committed staff and enjoyed broad public confidence The work of the Election Assistance Commission had a positive impact for state and county officials, enabling the exchange of best practices and providing standards for new voting technologies. A number of technical recommendations made by previous OSCE ODIHR commissions, um, as well as the 2014 Presidential Commission on Election Administration, were addressed. Okay, so here's they're getting into the fact that they, I mean, they basically don't like the fact that there's not one single federal entity that oversees all of the election in the state of Americas. That's why they point out that there's 10,500 jurisdictions, because what do we say? We as states are the ones who legislate our own Um, our own elections like it goes back to the states there's not just that's why they want to pass hr1 because they want to make sure that the federal government is the one that has control of all of our elections when that is not the way it's written in our constitution and that's not the way it's written in our state constitutions heck it's not even written like that in some of our municipalities um like uh, what do you call it in some of the municipalities like um charters like i mean it, it goes all the way down to the local level but these guys don't want it to be that way They want very much for us to follow a centralized federal way of running things. And that's what these guys are all about. Okay, so let me take that off the screen real quick. So that's from their report on when they came here in 2018. So that's how they really feel about it. So that's when we have to ask, well, who is it that's really supporting these people? Who is it that uh, that are tied into these people? And that's where we come to the secretaries of state. Okay, so it says officially in the United States... um, Uh, Buried in that report, and we're going to see it, guys. Buried in this report, we find that there are two nonprofit organizations that are singled out for special thanks by the ODIHR in the text of the report. That is the National Association of Secretary of States and the National Association of State Election Directors. 
So the globalists clearly knew where to go to get the job done that they needed to get done. Um, the only other entity singled out for thanks was the Department of State, which is now a progressive unit that is being run by a whole bunch of progressives. Okay, so it says here, the ODIHR LEOM wishes to thank the authorities of the United States for their invitation to observe elections and the Department of State, the National Association of Secretaries of State, and the National Association of State Election Directors for their assistance. Mike Pompeo should have gone and talked to these Secretaries of State so that he could have been like, look, your number's up, just like he did to the governors, because, God, you guys remember when he did... So here it is right here, guys. This is where they're thanking him. Let's expand that. See, it says the O-S-E-E-O-D-I-H-R-E-O-M, God, man, it's worse than the LGBTQ, wishes to thank the government of the United States of America for the timely invitation to observe the elections, as well as the Department of State and the National Association of Secretaries of State and representatives of other federal and state institutions and election authorities for their assistance and support. The O-S-C-E-O-D-I-H-R-E-O-M, L-B-G-T-Q, P-L-M-N-O-P, also wishes to express its appreciation uh, to international organizations and em embassies accredited in the United States, as well as political parties, media representatives, and civil society organizations for their cooperation and support. So there you go. They went ahead and they pantsed the NASS and they let them know exactly who they are and who's doing what and who's letting them in. The State Department and the Secretaries of State, like... There you go, guys. Like, they're the ones that are needing to be routed out right now. There's another one down here somewhere. I know I highlighted it. Where they call them out. Basically, they let us know who they're fund who's letting them in. Who let, the who let the vampires in? It was the NASS. In 2015, the National Association of Secretaries of State renewed its resolution welcoming the OSCE International Elections Observers from the OSCE member countries to observe elections in states were allowed by state law. California, Missouri, New Mexico, and the District of Columbia explicitly provide for international observers by law. Most state law is silent on observation, leaving discretion to election officials. Restrictions on observation of early voting and election day are in place in 17 states. This is not in line with the commitment to provide international observation. So, I mean, what business it is of theirs? I mean, unless they're truly trying to become a democratic republic like the United States of America, if they're truly trying to be like that shining city on the hill, then they have no, be they have no business coming over here and observing our elections. But what they're doing is they're doing reconnaissance so they could figure out how to undermine our elections. And we can thank our secretaries of state and our state department for allowing that to happen. I mean, it's pretty sickening, guys, that, 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 I mean, but at least we know, at least now we know, we find the mechanics, we find the blueprints, we find what it is that they are using to get where they need to be. And trust me, these globalists have been at it for decades, nigh on centuries, where they figure out the little nooks and crannies of the legislative proceedings that it takes to overtake a country on paper so that this way they can pull the rug out from beneath us before we realize what's going on. Now we know, guys. Now we know. All of this, we would not know if things did not happen the way they happened in 2020. To me, 
This is a blessing because now moving forward, we know to keep an eye on things like the secretaries of state. We know we need to clean out the state department. We know we can't be allowing these, these international globalist offshore organizations like the United Nations in to observe and undermine our elections. But guys, it starts at your back yard. We cannot get stuff like this done if we don't clean out our city councils, if we don't clean out our state and local legislators, and if we don't get ourselves into the precincts and involved in local elections. That's what this is all about. You know, that's where this is all about. But anyways, before I get into that soapbox, the last things I got to say in, in regards to this is that now we know it's the NASS and the NSED that really helped them with this oversight because you have to have permission from your secretaries of state because in most cases, it is the secretaries of state who are the ones that are running, like Raffensperger said, I just report the numbers. Well, you know, they're the ones that really uh, shape and, and hold uh, responsibility over state elections and stuff like that. So that's why they had to get in with the secretaries of state. Like that's that's what the whole reason was. So we know that that is a corrupt organization. But now what we got to find out is where did the money come from for the NASS to do stuff like this? And where does that money go once they get those? Who's funding these nonprofit, not-for-profit organizations, right? Um, we have to figure out if they are accepting foreign money, if they are accepting foreign contracts, just like Pompeo put the governors on notice. This needs to be dug into. Um, and so that could be cleaned out. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, as long as we know what the problem is, we're good. Because then we can take care of it. As long as we have good, right, accurate information, we're good. Because then we can act on it, you know. Um, and we need to know um, if th uh, what these quasi-governmental charitable, charitable nonprofits um, are required by law to remain nonpartisan doing behind the backs of the public. Because again, Secretary of the State, um, all of these, these governmental nonprofits are supposed to be, you know, nonpartisan. But here you have them pushing back on election fraud. Uh, you have them pushing back on election audits. So that says a lot. Because again, if they had nothing to hide, then they would go ahead and go on with the audit. I mean, sure, they say you're wasting time and money. But uh, I mean, everything fine, go ahead and do what you want to do. We have nothing to worry about. There was no fraud. There was no, there was no, uh, there was nothing committed to that nature, but they're pushing back on it. They're pushing back against their constituents. They're pushing back against the things that we know we saw. We're not crazy. We know what we saw. We saw the receipts. They were all there. They tossed them out on a technicality, but that did not seal the deal. And that's why we have these audits going through right now. That's why you see the fire of America's heart starting to rise because we are going to turn the heat up on these people and we will bring them pain regardless of what they think it will end uh, at the day's end. So we'll see what happens here. I think that's pretty much all I have to say in regards to that. Again, props to the Gateway Pundit for bringing this to the attention of the American people. I am just here sharing the headlines that I see uh, as I scroll through uh, my news desk. But anyways, guys, okay, that's going to do it for the C-Report for today, Monday, 6-7-2021. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope it was informative as always. I'd like to thank everyone for stopping by in the chat. Let me go ahead and take a real quick look in the chat. And I will release the scratch off if you're over at the foxhole because I forgot to release the, the scratch off. I think the last two times I was live. So my bad, y'all. Um, but let me see here real quick. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. 
Ooh, we had lots of peeps in the house. Thanks for joining, guys. I hope this was an entertaining episode. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so first of all, let me let me take this name down. Uh, I'm taking names and and yeah yeah. However else that goes. Okay, first of all, uh, blue rinse, blue rinse. Thank you very much for the can. I appreciate your donation, Steve B. Steve B, my friend, fifteen six zero one. I appreciate the can donation as always. Uh, I'm going to use all that to get new sound equipment. <laughs> As it trickles in, uh, I, will, I will be saving it because, um, yeah, you guys deserve better sound quality. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you on the, uh, the podcast, it sounds better usually. It's a little bit more crisp. Just V, thank you so much for the can. She got me two drinks today, Just V did. Thank you very much, Just V. Do I look parched? <laughs> I probably sound parched. Uh, Jen K, Canadian Bird, good to have you in the house, sweetie. Thank you for your donation of the can. I appreciate it. 17 Angels gave me a cookie because I was a little hungry too. So thank you for the cookie. I appreciate that. And then who else we had? Gatorman9611. Thank you for the can. 17 Angels, thank you for the can. Nylon Camel, you were the first one in uh, with the donation right out of the gate. So I definitely appreciate that. Okay, guys. And if you people over there on Twitch or on uh, Trovo are wondering what the heck I'm talking about, they got some bomb ways of supporting the content creators here at the Foxhole app, and we most definitely appreciate them for that. Uh, Tam Grell, <laughs> you caught you. You're just in time to catch the goodbyes. <laughs> you guys have a great night. Don't forget, we'll be back tonight. We're gonna do a watch party for President Trump's uh, keynote address over at the North Carolina GOP. Um, if you already saw it. That's all cool. If you missed it, come on and join us. If you just want to hang out and chat, come on and hang out. We're just going to be doing a watch party for that. It was an hour and a half long, so there was no way that I was going to put that into this report. No way. Okay, because it's it's too long. But hey, Tam Grail, you can always come back. Hey, Nick, hey, Nick Walls, what's up, sir? What's going on, buddy? Um, but you can always come back and uh, hang out with us uh, later on. It'll be after dinner, so, you know, maybe 8 Maybe nine. It just depends because I got to go cook now. All right, guys. Y'all have a great evening, a great afternoon, and we will see you tonight. If you want to join us for the watch party, I'll be hanging out and chat with you guys. And yeah, we'll just have a good time and, and we'll, we'll hear what Trump had to say. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until then, have a good evening. Thank you.